Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 234. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, Happy New Year's. It is a Happy New Year's. We're actually recording this episode a day earlier than we normally do on New Year's Day, uh, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a little bit weird, but here we are and uh means nothing to you guys at home because you, you'll get this at the normal time. It's, it's but... all going to be the same, but yeah, uh, 2020, the sequel. <laughs> well, this isn't 2021, this is 2022 too. Are you saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I keep seeing all those memes, and yeah, it's not a joke, guys. Don't, don't give, don't give the universe an idea. All right. Twenty twenty, the revenge. Also, real quick, just like I, I'm done with the cynical takes. Like, uh, it just changed a different hour. It's everything's still going to be terrible. Yeah, with that attitude, <laughs> everything's still going to be terrible. Let's let's try to have it not be, all right? Yes, yes, but the hope is that over 2021, we will actually get out of a lot of the things that made 2020 yeah. bad. We, we dug the hole. Now we're just like, wow, this is a deep hole. Let's mm-hmm. start pulling out. Yes, yes. So as uh, so a DC Comics podcast, we get together to talk about DC Comics every week. Uh, as a week five, uh, week five in comics terms, if you're relatively new to the show, just to explain, comics, you know, are released every, every well, used to be Wednesday, DC is actually now Tuesdays, but, yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, which actually, I think we forgot to mention there was a meta joke in that Superboy Prime issue last mm-hmm. week, where they said, oh, it's just Wednesdays, you're reading new comics? Oh no, it's Tuesdays yeah. now, there's a little, little joke. Tuesdays now, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so... Anyway, so fifth week means that every so often there'll be a fifth Tuesday in the week, therefore there'll be a fifth week, uh, even though by the time the episode of the podcast goes out, obviously we're into the new month. Um, that, but that typically means because they have all this comics scheduled on a four you know, weeks per month schedule, uh, you get these weird fifth weeks where there's less books out and there'll be a couple of odds and ends. Usually that's when they'll put out annuals, we have one of those today. Uh, and some special issues and that kind of thing. Uh, so coming up on this week's show, we do have some questions from the Twitters, uh, because we knew it was going to be a late week in terms of books, but we do have a few big books to talk about. We have Death Metal, The Last 52, War of the Multiverses, issue one. Uh, it's a big 80-pager. And uh, we got Justice League Endless Winter, issue two, uh, which is the finale to the nine-part Endless Winter uh, December crossover. So that's actually quite notable. And then we have Batman Annual number five, which is by James Tynion the fourth, so it is relevant to the run. It's not just uh, some random story by someone else. Uh, I still have flashbacks about that Aquaman Annual number two or whatever it was that was just yeah. like the most pointless read that I've ever had in my life. Uh, I also have a couple of Patreon books for December to do. I just left them both till this week since it was a quieter week. So I've got American Vampire and Animal Man issues to get through. Uh, I'm not saying which numbers because I've forgotten which issue the uh, American Vampire was. I'll tell you later <laughs> when I'm looking at it. <laughs> so uh... that is the plan for today's show. Um, and I don't want to get people too excited just in case something changes and it falls through. But there is a reasonable chance that next week will be the first show in quite some time with all three of us here on the show once again. Connor should have his new computer uh, by next week. Barring delays... Uh, but that is possible given the time of year and Connor's mm-hmm. luck uh, in recent months with deliveries. <laughs> or, or lack thereof. <laughs> Still waiting the, for that Xbox. <laughs> the, the Xbox saga. Uh, Every day on Twitter, another story about Amazon's customer support. Yeah. It, was, it was delightful reading. Uh, but yes, so welcome to the show, your, I guess, New Year's special. Uh, and we are going to have our, our yearly annual episode. It's just a little bit later this time, just because Connor's uh, absent right now. Uh, but yep. that'll be sometime, so and somewhere in January, whatever it happens to be convenient yes. for us to record it, it'll be somewhere in January. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there we go. So I think without further ado, we'll uh, 
we'll get into the questions and see what people yeah. are, are running gun poking our minds with. I don't know if that sentence made any sense. Uh, so we'll start off with our old favorite, talking Superman. As much as I hate to stroke his ego, um, yeah, pop, pop, pop. <laughs> uh, uh, so. Who are some supervillains that you'd hope never get a redemption arc just because you like them so much as antagonists? Now, this is an interesting question because over the past five or ten years, there have been a few villains, especially bat villains, where because people have really attached themselves to a particular villain, it's almost encouraged DC to turn them into more anti-heroes, sort of have more heroic turns over time. And uh, to be fair, the characters that this have been done with have made some amount of sense, but uh yes that's certainly a thing and sometimes it's out of nowhere where all of a sudden we're all rooting for clayface because james Tay and the fourth mm-hmm. decided to make him a, a sympathetic monster which to be honest also makes some sense um but it's a good question so matt is there any villains that you hope they never even try to do anything redemptive off, with off the top of my head um i mean of course y- you hope joker but they made a whole damn movie <laughs> where they they try to explain it so you're like oh there goes that one um but like mongol Oh, we're just right, talking comics, right. Matt. We can we can ignore the movies. No, anyway. I know. I had I had to take a dig. You gotta take this way so okay. you can get oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah, Mongol. I just it's hard to redeem a warlord, and I don't want to know that story. You know where he learns empathy because I just uh, plus what Bendis did with him, and like there's a there's a succession line mm-hmm. of Mongols, and just like uh, yeah, I just I like the idea that there's this big intergalactic warlord out there that Superman sometimes has to punch. Yeah, it's funny because obviously I, I I very much appreciate both types of villains and I don't like when they cross over. So obviously mm-hmm. there's villains like Two-Face who have that redemptive side to him because he's literally mm-hmm. got half of like who he was yeah, before. That, and then, that's built in. Right? Plus who he was before, right? Like, And then you mentioned Joker and of course he's on the other end of the spectrum where he, I don't right. want him to be remotely relatable or redeemable. He's a monster, he's a force of nature, blah, 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 blah. Um, but that's obviously the, the, the obvious answer. If I'm yeah. looking at other you know, characters who are antagonists who potentially could be given a redemptive story, but I don't want to give them a redemptive story. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, it's been done a little bit from time to time with Thon, but I, I do very much prefer Thon to be just outright a bastard. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he that goes a long way, especially the post-Johns Flash era. Yeah. He's especially, because he made it personal. Um... And I think, um, but does Wonder Woman have like an unredemptive? Because most of Wonder Woman's characters are redemptive because by the way they tell her stories, it tends to be about trying to redeem the villains. I would say Dr. Psycho. That's one that I don't ever, that was, I I think I said that on the show a little while ago. Uh, And the Harley Quinn show does it a little bit, but then it goes places in season two. I do. With Dr. Psycho. So like, I believe it can be done, but I don't like in the comics. Let him be the one guy that even Diana's like, ew. Yeah, not to spin this out into its own conversation, but I do think Wonder Woman could almost use, like, that one villain who is completely irredeemable. And it's not so much that she won't try. Of course, she's always going to try. But it's almost like she could use that one who is just such a bastard. uh, And and that's why the stuff with Cheetah hit so hard. I was talking to my comic book guy this week about One Woman 84 and, and the stuff with Cheetah in there. And how, like, the book, how Rucka handled it was so good, because spoilers for Rucka's Wonder Woman, but, like, Barbara Ann gets to the point where she doesn't want to be redeemed, no matter how hard Diana tries, and that digs the knife even deeper. So, like, 
you know, it's kind of there, but you want Barbara Ann to make that decision, right? Yeah. And we want someone here that we don't want them. They were like, oh no, they're, they're beyond. Yeah, and, and that's an interesting case, though, where she is redeemable, but just makes the choice not to. So that's its own story, right. and it's just really hard-hitting because of that. I think Wonder Woman could use her Joker, or her, yeah. you know, her, you know, whoever, her, her Mongol, the the one who is yeah. completely just, like, and maybe Ares is kind of, but even Ares is kind of in this weird... He's a god. Yeah, he, his, it's different. His stuff shifts with the wind, you know? Yeah, um, when you get into that, you get into sort of weird, because it's not like... When I look at Batman's villains, I don't look at Ra's al Ghul and say he's irredeemable. Yeah. He's actually got his own weird sense of logic, even if it is quite villainous mm-hmm. in many right. ways. Right. Uh, Ares, um, I kind of think of in those kind of lines, as right. opposed to... I mean, you know. and the Azarello run didn't help because of the, such the different take on Ares. Sure. And kind of like the noble god of war style, like, he's necessary, he doesn't like to have to exist, but, you know, he's kind of like a world-weary or world weary version that was kind of cool um and that you kind of were like oh I, I, this is not the big suited villain that we've gotten in wonder woman before you know yeah uh, um i'm just thinking of some of the other characters and who black films. black manta i like when he's just a a you know cold-blooded mm-hmm. style guy so and i don't think we've even gotten close to him being redeemed i mean there's stuff with with, of course, Aqualad, you know, in that whole section that Kelly Sue dealt with. They kind of touched on it, but, but no, I, I like him as a cold-blooded type guy. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any, like, Lork villains, you know, you know, lower down the ladder, who I like being sniveling little shits, and I never want them to be anything more than that. Uh King. Because... <laughs> um... Actually, it's going to come up a little bit when we talk about one of the the, the books today, but I think Penguin, in a lot of weird ways, again, I, I don't want yeah. him to be sympathetic. Well, well, you talk about he has the internal logic. He does, that, yeah. That internal logic is still, he wants to be the kingpin of Gotham. That's his birthright, and, you know... He's he's lawful uh, evil, but definitely yeah. evil. Mm-hmm. Like, definitely. You know. it's, it's amazing how much those uh, D&D alignment reds uh, come in hand in your topic comic characters it, it, it does though it really helps in the difference especially in the villains because just like a batman's rogues gallery and you they fill up the chart oh yeah joker's chaotic yeah. evil obviously yeah yeah you know the uh, harley in the neutral or chaotic good chaotic neutral but probably you know. more chaotic good now but yeah 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 but she was neutral yeah. for a long long time you know so but, but yeah, I'm trying to think of some other ones, like some of the Flash villains, but I feel like I've been, you know, reading the John stuff first, where he kind of treated the villains with all a little bit of respect. That's kind of, I don't want to pick any of the rogues. Yeah, they're all no, I agree. That. I think the rogues all deserve the chance of, like, yeah. sympathy or redemption. Um, Grodd's maybe another one where I'd say I do prefer him as a, as a villain. Yeah, Rob might be one just because he's such a good, you know, scenery chewing type villain, you know. Actually, Therese, I think I think we have like a really sympathetic like main character. I'm thinking like Swamp Thing here. I feel like most of Swamp Thing villains are just bastards, like you know Woodrow, uh, like all all those types of characters. Yeah. I feel like almost everyone comes off as just a like a vindictive deck when they're well, up against even his thing. friends like constantine right <laughs> yeah constantine should also have never have a redemptive arc that's yeah 
I'll throw that into the into the he, mix. He fights that redemption arc. He goes, no, <laughs> I'm gonna stay like this. I mean, yeah. I, 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 there's some in the middle. Like, if I'm thinking of Superman's villains, I'm like, like, t- take uh, Metallo, right? Should Metallo yeah. ever have a redemptive thing? I don't know. I probably, I suppose this fits the question in the sense that mm-hmm. he theoretically could. There's no reason why you couldn't give Metallo some sort of redemptive arc. But if you're asking me, do I want one for Metallo? Nah, not really. Yeah, well, I mean, they kind of do that with Sam Lane too. Like he he turned around and got redeemed, kind of towards the end there with the the Tomasi stuff with with John, you I, know. I guess the truth is accepting. is that any writer, if they're good enough and have the right way of doing it, you can take almost any villain and give them yeah, some sort of redemptive, but, sympathetic. But arc. yeah, so the heart of the question is who who would we want to like? Mattel is a pretty good answer. Brainiac, I don't ever want like a good. Like, oh sure. Good, Good Brainiacs down the line, like that's what the whole point of that's different characters, yeah. For yeah, you know what I mean. But like the one that we have right now, you know, that's yeah, the world I, collecting. Actually, like I don't, I don't need him to be a, you know, a yeah, good actual guy. Brainiac. What we you know we think of as the villain Brainiac, mm-hmm. like he he should have more in common something like Skynet from Terminator, where he's just emotionless. There is no redemption because right. there is no humanity or soul right. or anything like that. And he's justify just, the means. Yes. Yeah, he's he's cold just... hard villain logic and that's it. Yeah. There's that one. Or like but see then you have the opposite with like Parasite to where it's not his fault. Mm. He's the way he is. And I think that a lot of those tragic villains, it's hard just to want them to be like to embrace that. That's I think why the Barbara Ann one works so well. I think because there's something in us in storytelling that we want you want to root for that underdog kinda. Um, I think having this conversation is making me realize that it's important to have a mix of all these villains that would be boring if we only had one type. But I think for the redemptive potential villains to work, not all of them can actually get redemption. I think, like, yeah, you occasionally want it and it feels great when it happens, but yeah. I think a number of them have to keep never mm-hmm. quite getting there for, us to, for it to mean something when one of them does. So yeah. it's not that any one character, I think, is off the table, but they just can't do it with too many or it starts to feel like, well, right. no one stays a villain anymore. Kind of, kind of like Wonder Woman, right? Like that's that's mm. kind of the problem now, but it works for Diana, I think too. Whereas she's always, she always has that handout. And I guess you could say the same with Superman, because look how many chances he's given Lex over the years. And Lex actually did turn good for a while, and then the whole Doom stuff brought him back to you know the Lex we all know and love. So and, you know it makes for some fun storytelling, but yeah, it definitely can be overused, especially over in Gotham right now. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know who's a villain anymore. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Joker's still a villain. Just <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> that one's that one's dead set, but you know. Yes. I don't know. Shades agree. Which I mean maybe he's more reflective of real life, so that's good in that sense. But uh um yeah. I, I think a good healthy mix of all these different kinds is the the answer at any given time. So uh moving on, uh we'll have a question here from uh, at uh no, come on. Gooper <laughs> This is hard. You can't tell where the. I'll just say Terry because the name's Terry. But the 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 ass like Gooperang time. Gooper. I don't know. Anyway. All right. Um. So yeah, are there any DC characters uh, created within the last two years or so that you guys are particularly fond of or excited for? I'm still uh, over the moon that both Naomi and Yara Floor are getting their own shows already. Um. Honestly, I think Terry, you stole my answer, which is Naomi, because Naomi's I think mm-hmm. one of the better creations of the last few years. Uh, so I'm curious if Mask got anything to add to the list. <laughs> I, I, it's another Bendis one. Although, yeah, Jenny Hex is Bendis, right? 
Oh yeah, the Jenny Hex. Yeah, I, li- Actually, I, like, I like Jenny Hex. I do, I do have another answer, or oh, it's more of a team, but I think Taylor's Suicide Squad, you know, the Revolutionaries, mm-hmm. I, I like them. I'm excited to yeah. see where they're going next now. Well, they get their own TV show at Naomi at some point. I mean, this is maybe a bit of a stretch. But I am actually really excited for the continuation of those characters. And it's one of the few examples in recent years at DC where I think they've successfully done something like that, where I'm like, oh, I now all of a sudden like this entire team of characters. You know, versus, say, like, the recent Teen Titans book, where I just, like, I read that, you know, the one special leading into it. went, nah, this isn't for me. I'm I'm good. Go away. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, over the last two years, it's hard to find new characters outside of those that we just mentioned, because there really hasn't been too many. And I didn't even realize uh, the new Wonder Woman, Yara Flora, was like... Was a TV show getting developed? No, not just that, oh. but like introduced in Wonder Woman, because that was when we weren't reading. Oh, sure, yeah. That was the in-between, so um, I found that out recently. It was pretty. That's pretty cool that they're doing yeah. that. Well, I'm, I'm yeah. sure the Future State stuff, we're, which we're just about to yeah. get to, uh, and in our miniseries, are going to make her very well known to us as well, so it's yeah. not like we're going to miss out there too much, but... Uh, no, I... I, uh, I think it's an interesting question, because I think Marvel, uh, likewise, mm-hmm. tried to introduce a lot... I think if I had to, Marvel try to do it more than DC do in recent years. And to be fair, yeah. and maybe it's just because they're trying it more, so more of them stick, you know, eventually... Yeah. But I would say I can name a few more from Marvel than I can from DC. Obviously, I mean, Males is like almost 10 years old now, so Males isn't even new yeah. anymore. But, you know, even just in recent years, you know, Ironheart, uh, characters like that, where yeah. even though I didn't really read any of that stuff, I still know Riri Williams' name. Like, I can see yeah. her name. So she made oh. it into pop culture enough, that, at least for a nerd who follows comic book news, that I can right. tell you who she is. Right. Well, and that's, that's a lot of the Young Avengers, too. They were all, I mean, this is not just two years, but that just started as a small comic with mm-hmm. these characters that were, you know, not not what they seemed, and they became kind of their own. Um, and then, because I, I went after, when I ran all out of Hawkeye to read um, with, with Kate. I mean, even Kate Bishop's a relatively new character. Kate not? Bishop doesn't say, but... I get relatively. Up, yeah, her here. teaming up with that Young Avengers team just opened up going like dc kind of doesn't have anything like this because even when they do if i'd hell uh, one of my favorite characters from bad. marvel is gabby and she's only a few years old that was that was an yeah. old taylor creation right so so yeah but they there was a while there where they were taking those chances and maybe dc will be out there we'll see how this future state stuff goes because it does look like Stuff is changing. Yeah, we're getting this new Wonder Woman. We're getting a new Batman. So it seems like they're trying, to, you know, to do stuff yeah. like this. So we'll we'll see where that goes. And maybe that's more of a focus than what I do. And maybe it's something that Marvel's leaned off a little bit, like because they were doing it for so long that maybe in the last couple of years they have taken oh. the foot off that pedal a little bit. For, for a while, every of their major characters was someone different. You know, you had Falcon as Cap. You had, you know. Oh yeah, but they weren't all new characters. You know. No, no, no. But what I mean is that you know that's where they were. So they were trying the new things getting away from that established um and then of course everything comes back to regress you know it regresses back to the mean yeah so, um but yeah but now revolutionaries is my answer outside of naomi which is, would, would have been my first pick uh, uh soul characters but um and, and I mean, unless unless i could throw in like uh i mean a kate man's not new i mean i like kate man <laughs> But I think Kate Man's technically an older character that Tom King just revitalized. Yeah, what the <laughs> hell yeah. Uh, Although that that's probably my favorite thing in his Batman arc is that 
arc of Kite Man through the War of Jokes and Riddles. Mm. Just like it's a real good story. And I'm I'm ignoring Black, you know, the yeah, uh, like the Hell House stuff because obviously that's all new characters, but they're not, they're not in universe, you know, they're not yeah uh, doing that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, Revolutions is my is my answer. All right, next up uh, from at Stanley Coda. Uh, would you like it if DC took uh, the end of Doomsday Clock and made separate imprints for separate eras? Like, creators could just tell stories in those time periods and not be constrained by continuity, similar to what X-Men Legends is going to do. Uh, so just to, uh, just to sort of interpret this, what I think he's saying here, is the idea that after Doomsday Clock, it's saying, hey, the, the pre-crisis era happened, the post-crisis era happened, we can literally have a couple of books set in those eras now, just ongoing if we want to. Um, right. And would I like that? I mean, honestly, I mean, I hadn't really thought about it, but you suggested it, it makes me go, yes, I'd buy the show out of those books. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just think about a new Teen Titans era book set. Yeah, yeah. It's with, written now, but set during that era. Yeah, with Deck like, and Corey and everyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course. This is what I kind of thought Generations was going to be when it got mm. announced. So, you know, and I mean, Future State and going forward, the Infinite uh, Frontier. It it seems like not this, but yeah, similar? because like Batman Superman's kind of doing Golden Age Batman mm-hmm. and Superman, but it feels like it's right. doing like a weird mashup thing where it's taking them into right. like modern eras or whatever. I I because and part of me thinks there is potential in this idea of like no no we're, we're, you're not messing with continuity or the timeline. You're just going back and saying there's more stories to tell in this time period right. with these characters as a team or you know because we're saying New Teen Titans as an example, but it could mm-hmm. be you know anyone. Right. It could be like a mid 2000s era batman with that bat family with Cass in the bat suit and so on and right. so on um like right. you could just pick a pick an era of any of the characters or any of the team even just the whole justice league whatever you want and well, say we're it's... just going to make we're going we're to do silver age justice league era stories but obviously with modern writing styles and you know well they did try something similar with that sequel to invasion that lemire was doing that got you know shortened um what was the name of it? Oh, I can't remember. But I think yeah, the, I think the problem with that though is one, it's a very obscure thing. But it was like you know, it was mm-hmm. it wasn't like like if you came out with a book saying New Teen Titans something like yeah. subtitle right, and that's the series that's going to run for you know twelve twenty four issues, right? Right. That has recognition. This book came out with a name that didn't connect it to anything. You, you only knew it was a sequel to Invasion if you right. read the solicit text, and right. it wasn't like it was starring like you know a Green Lantern or something like that. It was like here, there's some yeah. people you don't know. No, but I just mean uh, that DC seemed to be experimenting with something similar mm. to the suggestion. So I, I guess I'm um, saying that if they wanted to succeed, they actually have to treat it like it's a big deal and not just this little right. mini that they're farting right. out in the corner. Well, and and who's to say that's not what Black Label can be? I mean, look mm. at all the different Black Label books we get. I mean, Criminal Sanity is basically Harley and Joker in, in the real world. The Fincherverse. Right. So, like, <laughs> why... Why can't we get that era, uh, or, you know, or like, I can't believe it's not the Justice League era or Justice League International style stories. Yeah. Um, but now that I've yeah. made that joke, I'll just add in here, there'll be no restoring of the Snyder verse. You can all show no. <laughs> I just like, this is what I was so worried Bye-bye. about about that. <laughs> and I, yeah, I just, you open that door and it's like a zombie movie. You, you don't nah, open that I mean, door at all. It would be- and then when you do... Now you're screwed. Yeah. So. I mean, they're never going to give in to this, but because they gave in the first time, uh, mm-hmm. they're going to be hearing about this for ages. Um, all I can think about whenever I see photos of people holding up, holding up signs and things, all I can think about is that image from uh, Arrested Development of the magicians we demand to be taken seriously. Uh, yes. That's all I can think about. Uh, but anyway, 
it's the same energy. So yeah, uh, that's a good question, and I think that's actually a really fun idea. That maybe if they want to, like, because obviously they're, they're they're making the line much smaller. Maybe this could be like what makes up the line back up to numbers, as you have this sort of previous era, you know, books. Maybe you have a couple of post crisis books, a couple of Silver Age books, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. could be anything. Um, so rather, rather than making new stories that harken back, just make a, a book right. set in that time. Just do it. It'll be better, probably. Uh, plus it just sucks. And the final question I think we'll tackle here, uh, from at Conway Chats. It was cut off. I had to check what it was. Uh, which non-Bat family character would you like to get a story in the Detective Comics or Batman backups if they continue after March? Uh, I say non-Bat as they should all be appearing in Urban Legends or, you know, whatever. Uh, I personally would like to see an Elongated Man mystery story again. And I think that would probably be my, my first guess. Not Elongated Man specifically, but the Detective Comics could literally be used for any character who is remotely detective could get a backup. Yeah. So I'm thinking any character who was in uh, Bendis's mini uh, Leviathan yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, any character in that could get a Detective Comics backup, and it'd probably be great. <laughs> Yeah, I think like a Slam Bradley kind of noir story yeah. would be cool. Which is why yeah. I'm going to say, so Detective's easy, because it's just like, okay, give me a detective character. What about a Batman backup that is not a Bat character? Like, who'd, like, do you have someone who's not typically a Gotham character in Gotham, and that's why it's in Batman? Or what, you know, what do you do with that? Like, who's, who, who do you put in the Batman backup? Uh, probably someone that was in The Outsider, so like Katana. Okay. That'd be cool. Someone related, yeah. yeah. I, I, no, yeah, I can someone, see that. Someone related there that can kind of get the spotlight. I I, uh, I almost want a... Uh, uh, if you remember that series Gotham After Midnight or Gotham by Midnight, mm-hmm. the Supernatural, I'm almost thinking like a, like someone like Dead Man doing like a ghost story yeah. in Gotham. Like could be a good Batman backup. That'd be cool. Yeah, I could, I could see that being fun. Cool. Um, so, that's interesting. I actually kind of like it. Because like, obviously... If you say, okay, who should get a backup in Batman? The first thing we're all going to say is, ah, we got a, give, give us a cast backup, give us a Steph backup, right. give us a Tim backup. Right. It, it's so easy to do that. But yeah, it's a bit more yeah, interesting yeah. to see. I mean, and, that's, and we have a Damien backup to, yeah. to kick things off. So yeah, it's uh, it's pretty easy. I'm trying to think of some other kind of lower key characters that would be cool. I mean, Kate Man's uh, uh, maybe a... I mean, <laughs> I, I guess maybe he counts as a Bat character because he was so heavily in Tom King's Batman. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's something. Um, I, I guess to like tie it into Batman, I, I kind of like the idea of, like, uh, like ha- having like another character who's been inspired or informed or ha- have something Bat-related sort of be involved in the story, even though there's no Bat characters in the story. So mm-hmm. uh, whether that's something like... Uh, Say you do an Adam Strange story where he's trying to like, like deal with crime on Ran, and he th- he has an idea that to try and scare people, he'll try and become Ran's Batman or something, or something, <laughs> or he'll try to use some of Batman's tactics and try. It. So it sort of ties in thematically to Batman in a way, but it's you know still a different character doing their own thing. Uh, I don't know. I think it's yeah, in the box. Yeah, that, that's a little bridge too far. But, you know, <laughs> all right, all give right. Give it to someone. Give it to someone like Lemire. They might be able to pull it off. You know, because that's just crazy enough to work. So, um, but yeah, I'm trying to think of some other ones like in, in a bat backup, but that's not exactly bat family. Mm. Um, it seems like Gordon's doing his own thing, but he counts in the bat family. 
Yeah, he's a bad character for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. What about what about Bullock? Have we ever had just a Bullock story? Uh, that's a, that's a good one. I still see that as a bad character, but yeah, that's, I think it's a good idea. Yeah. For a story, um, because I would I wouldn't say directly he's in the Bat family. I think yeah. almost anything where a character from another, you know, another book yeah. or another part of the DC world uh, visits Gotham, like even if it's something as simple as Lois Ooh. visits Gotham, so you do like a Lois backup where she's in Gotham investigating a story. Uh, yeah. Although that could equally just go into Detective, I suppose, because it's an investigative. But... Yeah, well, I was say Zatanna, Zatanna and mm-hmm. Batman have a have a relationship from the back, so her her doing something in Gotham, and that fits in with your supernatural kind of idea too. Yeah, yeah. Like what? going on there i think that would be cool no uh the possibilities are, are you know numerous I, I i think this backup idea could be good if the stories are good but of course they're going to have different writers and stuff than the main story so it could be a case of like there might be like periods of like three or four months where we hate the backup because we just don't like the writer on that particular right. backup but then once it changes and it's someone else and that does lead to the problem of well for like three or four months you're paying the extra dollar for something you don't care about but then you go back to caring about it afterwards, so it's, I don't know. Uh-huh. There, there, there's pluses and minuses to it, but maybe the plus being they get to try more things with other writers and maybe we'll find some new people who could eventually take over books because they've been given a chance and a backup. I'm, I mean, that's where Tynan came from, right? Yeah, so... Well, uh, there's, poss- Batman. there's possibilities, there's possibilities. Uh, but yeah, we'll wrap up the, the questions there, so uh, thank you to everyone who sent in questions at DC Comics Podcast. So we'll fire into the books then, and of course we're starting with Death Metal, The Last 52, War of the Multiverses, Issue 1, numerous creators involved, we'll tell you them as we go, because uh, it varies book to book. Now, I read this digitally on Comixology, and uh-huh. there are there's a mistake, <laughs> there's a pretty yeah. obvious mistake in the layout of these stories. Uh, uh-huh. I, I don't know if they because sometimes they update them during the week or whatever so I don't know if it changed after after I read it or downloaded it but um, basically much like the big 80 page one with all the Teen Titans characters from a couple of weeks ago this was clearly supposed to be bookended with the Wonder Woman story however on Comixology at least you know maybe it's been updated since I read it but it actually just had both halves of that together at the start uh, and you can tell it was not only not only was it weird because it gets to like a certain page and it says uh, interlude begins and then I turned the page and it said end of interlude I'm like wait that was yeah. weird but not only that when you get to the end and it tells you the credits for the artist it says page you know one to fifteen and then page seventy five to eighty and I'm like wait a minute <laughs> I yep. I did not get up to eighty pages in this not yet so I heard about this and then I I checked my physical copy mm-hmm. and the physical copy is fine. Okay, it's so it's, it it's a digital be. version. It's not like yeah. a huge deal. It doesn't really affect no. that, that much, to be honest. But um, I think it would have been more upset if it happened to the Teen Titans one from a few weeks ago because I think the end of, it had spoilers, but at the end of it also had more of an emotional impact because of all the stories with all the characters in between. I think because this is just a collection, because essentially what this, this story is, is it's all set in the battlefield. It's all just little pockets right. of the big battle that's going on, focusing on a bit, the Bat family, the Super family, Wonder Woman, so on and so on. And then some weirder picks, you know, he gets a Ryan Choi Atom story, there's a Constantine one, it, so on and so on. It is a mixed bag for sure. It, def- it definitely is a mixed bag. Uh, I, uh, up to this point, the 80 pagers have been, I don't know, I don't really like spending $9 for a comic. Sure. And I get it, you're playing for the pages. This is a lot of forgettable stuff that I almost, I, I think, I weirdly would have taken two books over just one. 
Okay, I, I can understand that. I yeah. I do think, though, that all the previous 80-page ones that have tied into Metal have been worth it so far. This is this is the one where I would say I would have minded this being a little shorter and a little cheaper, just to cut yeah. out a couple of the, the stories that were a bit weaker. But I will say, yeah. I do actually really like, again, the timing of this release is fantastic. Having this come out between issue 6 and huh? 7, where the fight's just getting going, and then having like a big battle issue which is just like all these different pockets of the fight on the ground. Yeah. It's actually a really smart little idea that makes you feel like a huge battle. And it'll, it'll impact. And I, I do think that it'll enhance the ending. It'll enhance where we start off issue seven with, mm-hmm. with the, the fight going on. Well, especially if it, if you read it bookended like that. So if you read six and the battle's getting started, mm-hmm. then you read this and the battle's getting started. And then you have the interlude with all the little battles mm-hmm. he's been around from. And then the way that that interlude, the second half ends. So going right into seven. Yeah. So it was paced really, really well. I'll give it credit for that. But a lot of these stories, I was just, I felt like, and again, this is a short week. So like, I didn't have much else to, to read, but I still felt like a slog to get through. Cause a lot of them, I was not like, I was like, okay, this is good. I guess um, <laughs> we'll get there. There's a, I do want to talk about the penguin one. Cause I'm still a hundred, not a hundred percent. Not sure. What the hell happened in there? Sure. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, the book end is the Wonder Woman story uh, where she's in her gold armor that she forged from the lasso and Batman who laughs on the darkest night is basically just telling her that she's screwed. Uh, mm-hmm. Talks about how he's got all these, you know, various versions of heroes from worlds where, you know, Superman's evil, Ackerman's evil, so on, so on. Um and we jump around to various... Uh, probably the most interesting thing in this first story, though, is probably the stuff that happens with Wally and... Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and what's right. this Arsenal, yeah. Uh, because yeah. They, they have this, this really sweet moment where Wally's fighting an evil Wally who likes killing. And kind of like, it's the idea that this is the Wally who enjoyed what happened in Heroes in Crisis and right. is about to kill our Wally... And then the, the arrow comes in and saves them, and it's it's kind of this sweet moment. It's giving them kind of an ending. Now I still hate Heroes in Crisis. I still hate what it did to Wally. Yeah. But uh, I mean, as far as trying to make up for it, this is an okay yeah. moment. And this is written by Williamson, right? This, this is cool written by this is cool written by Williamson yeah. and Snyder. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like this is them doing a make nice to people like us, going like, "Hey, remember that? We're we're not going to talk about it anymore after this." Yeah. And then the rest of the Flash family show up. Jay's already there, but then you have Wallace and and Max Mercury, Jesse Quick, yep. Avery. Uh, you know, the whole whole gang shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get into the other stories. Well, technically, I mean, for me, it just went on to the rest right. of the Wonder Woman story, <laughs> which is right. what's next on. What is a because so even as I'm going through pages now, it's still in this order, so they've not fixed it on mm-hmm. Comicsology. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I mean, basically, all it really ends with is uh. Wonder Woman saying that she's going to kick the Darkest Knight's ass. Yeah. That, that's basically right. it. You know, it's, uh, but, I mean, I enjoyed the Flash part of it, uh, for sure. Um, and it's a wraparound to sort of, like, give context yeah, to the Yeah, this fight. is not one of the stories I had an issue with. Yeah. Like, this was all... And, and sure, it could be because it's driving the, the metal story forward, but there are those character beats that I did like with uh, with Wally and, and Roy because they finally get their, you know, closure... You know, and just, you know, I, I like the idea, too, of the evil Wally wearing one of the masks from uh, Heroes in Crisis mm-hmm. that they were, they had to wear, and that that's, like, his thing, and he's carrying a gun, and there's... It's very uh, you know, Phantom of the Opera, the way he's wearing it as well. Yeah, it is, and it's all broken, and and so, yeah, it was... 
I liked all of that. Um, and then the the rest of the one woman one is just her, you know, having basically a philosophical disagreement while fighting. With yeah, the, the you know, Knight. hope and peace versus de- yeah. you know, death and despair and blah blah right. blah, the usual sort of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. The second story is the super family story where Superman takes on. I mean, there's a whole host of like evil Superman, but he yeah. takes on one in particular. Uh, the the one that's got the sort of the fiery cape. The, the last son. <laughs> yeah. Um, a son spelled the U, just to be uh, yes. specific here. Um, and he's trying to basically communicate with them. You know, you know, classic Superman way. He's trying to avoid the fighting as much as he can, to the, even to the point where the super boys are like, "Wait, why is he trying to talk to him? There's clearly no point." And Kara's like, "Don't worry, Superman. He's got this. Like, just right. let let him do his thing." Uh, of of course, it breaks into a fight anyway. There's a lot of banter between the various, you know, like the the, the alternate uh, Connor Kent's like saying, "Hey, nice coat, dudes," and stuff like that, and they're yeah. kind of they're bantering back and forth. Um, and ultimately, Superman gets put down because uh, the story ends. He's just too weak to keep going because the, the anti life's taken over, which ties into right. you know everything he's been going through in this metal world. And Kara kind of has to lead the Superman family at the end of the uh the short to into more battle because that that's the, that's the thing here. Is that there's no definitive endings for a lot of these stories because it's all in the battle. It's all like it's not right, over. It goes, yeah. So I think also you have a lot of the supervillains that show up. You have the the evil yes, Superman. That's... So yeah, Lex and and the Eradicator and Henshaw and and uh, Zod, who I just I love the way that Zod comes in, and is just talking crap, <laughs> unflailingly son of Jor-El. Yeah. Like, just like you know, it, it's all real good and. So I like that it ties all that together. That at the end of the day, they still all stand for life, right? And that they're not going to let. Yeah, that's what Lex says know. to uh, Superman yeah. when he's picking him up. I, I, I yeah, I actually kind of pop for this moment when all the villains yeah. show up to kind of save the day. It kind of like this idea that not every villain, or at least most villains in the DCU, actually want to destroy everything. They, mm-hmm. they want to rule things. They want things to go their way and be in charge or or, or whatever, or have power. Right. But they actually want the world still to exist so they can do something with it. Uh, so right. the idea that everyone shows up to to help here uh, doesn't feel right. cheap or stupid uh, mm-hmm. in any way. Um, so, you know, Lex has got his giant mech suit, of course. Uh, of course. It's the most mechy suit. I don't know if it's the most mechy suit he ever mecked, but it's definitely <laughs> chunkier than his yeah, usual suit. Yeah. yeah. He's got like a whole like, sort of like cockpit in this one as opposed to just being it's, a suit it's around almost him. ed 209 yes. you know? <laughs> uh and the traditional colors of course it's, it's got the purple and the green yes. you know it's, 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 it's colors for sure uh i enjoyed the super story i think for, for what i think pelletier or pelletier art yeah um so it's it's pretty decent who, who did uh, you know. some art i think for supergirl once upon a time so i think seeing yep. her in that art again was nice mm-hmm. um because I, I think what i'd say about this as a whole before we even get to the rest of the stories is that I think even though some of them are better than others, I kind of I, I kind of like what it does as a whole. Even though I kind of agreed it probably should have been a, a bit shorter, um, just because it gives you all this like sense of all the different parts of the fight going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't look at each story as a like needing definitive endings like I normally would. You know, I normally I'd go into these anthologies being annoyed that the stories right. don't have, but because it's all in the context of what's happening in the the battle, it's like it all works. Yeah. So then the Bat Family's next. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and that's basically so. If you remember last issue of Metal, one of the when Batman raises a bunch of people back from the dead to help fight, uh, one of them is the Batman who laughs, and yes. that might have been a bit of a head scratcher for some people. 
Uh, this entire short is about how that Batman Who Laughs has been raised with the blackest, uh, you know, the, the Black Lantern ring is mm-hmm. basically turns on Batman immediately. And it becomes this debate where he's like, you know, I'm still technically part of the Batman Who Laughs. I'm not really him because he's actually the Darkest Knight. He's up there fighting right. Wonder Woman. But I'm still kind of part of him. So why did you think I was going to help you or, or fight on this side or whatever? And Batman basically Freddy Krueger's him. Uh, and if you, if you wonder what I mean by that is that yeah. The rule in some of the later Nightmare on Elm Street sequels is that if Freddy is forgotten, he'll have no power. And Batman basically says, look, if you don't help me fight, like, I'm going to make sure that no one ever remembers you and you will never be feared. You will never be remembered. You'll be forgotten and you'll mean nothing. Um, yeah. Th- well, that's... it's the whole idea of, sure, the Batman who laughs is what if Batman breaks back, right? Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, that's terrifying for everybody. And that's that's the ultimate fear for the Bat family. So they have to respect that, but at the same time, they have to live with that and, and have trust that Bruce isn't going to ever do that. So I did like that balance of that story there of you have to accept it. Like it, the fear is going to be there, but you, you don't let it rule because that's how the Batman who laugh wins. So overall meta storytelling wise, that's I think metal in a nutshell, right? At this point, the oh, yeah. doom and, doom versus ho- or what was the opposite uh it wasn't hope was it what <laughs> dur- dur- during snyder's justice do- doom League versus run. justice i asked that's some yeah there we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long year guys justice league <laughs> was the, the clue yeah <laughs> justice yeah it's right there so um but yeah it's the whole doom versus justice and all the stuff that snyder has kind of seeded since yeah you know, this is kind of that in a nutshell which i feel coming from Tynan, and not just as a Batman writer, but because he's a student, you know, he yeah. came in yeah, through Snyder. It's also uh, Maliv on art for this one, on and, and I do love Maliv. I, I can't, I do kind of think this underuses him a little bit, because it's just these same two characters against an orange background the entire time, so it doesn't really so get, like, it doesn't give him a chance to shine like he normally would, I don't think. No, and so like, when it came to Maliv, like, I was like, this is very Maliv-esque, and I got to the end, and I was just like, it just, it's off just enough that I didn't pick up on it right away, mm-hmm. you know. So, so yeah. I think it's because it's just it's the same two characters who look very similar. They're all in black. Uh, the background is just constantly this orange because of the flames and whatever behind them. Uh, there's not a lot of variance in it, so it doesn't really give as much variance or a chance to shine that can normally because that, normally Maliv is you know top tier. I, I love Maliv's art, uh, but. Uh, but certainly not. I mean, that's probably my, my least favorite of the stories so far. But I, I don't think it was bad. No. I think it was bad, by any means. No. Uh, next up is the Am story with uh, Ryan Choi. This is a uh, Kel Higgins writing with Scott Collins on the R. Uh, yeah. uh, this is a weird pocket here because not only are we dealing with the Atom, we're dealing with him trying to help Will Magnus use Mister Terrific's T spheres to control a new batch of metal men who will be able to fly. <laughs> and therefore disrupt sure. the other worlds of the... <laughs> There's a lot of big ideas thrown at me in this little story. Yeah. <laughs> and then I appreciate Kyle Higgins. I don't want to make it sound like that, but this this story didn't work all the way for me. Mm-hmm. Like, this one is one of the ones that feels very just disposable, and I get what it's going for, because at, at the heart of it, it's about science. Yeah. Corruption of science and misunderstandings and stuff. I just... The alternate dark adam just it was weird. honestly it just didn't work for me. my biggest complaint of this issue is that after a while it started to feel a little bit repetitive that it kept being 
hero versus evil version of themselves who we've not met yet because you know we've met, met a lot of evil versions in previous yeah. metal stuff but we hadn't met every evil version of every character so seeing the evil version of ryan Choi is new so they wanted to throw him in there yeah and like this is where people that get annoyed with with continuity and stuff i would un- i get where they're coming from but it's not like DC didn't have a Tales from the Dark Multiverse where they could have been playing with these characters mm-hmm. beforehand. And so especially when we get to the low story, that kind of irks me a little bit because you you had something sitting there that was previously established that, you know, if you took time to read, you were kind of rewarded. Yeah, yeah. But no, they just threw all this stuff out anyways. And here, well, like, uh, this, this version of Adam, I think, would have been cool to have, like, a... Because Higgins did a dark multiverse story. Oh yeah, yeah. I, and there's a lot the about there's a lot about backstory here. I, I do. I enjoyed the ending when Ryan getting big and like stomping on him. I, I did enjoy that that page. It was a fun. I, moment. I didn't realize uh, the Adam wasn't like Ant Man and could could do the reverse thing. So Adam's only going small, I guess. So I, I didn't realize that until now. Oh, Adam can go big. I'm pr- I'm pretty sure. Uh, Palmer's so then went what big. was? So when Terrific was telling him you've never gotten that big before, was that just that just, big? Just that big, okay. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's gotten big. I, I but never... read it as he had never done the great sure, thing no, no. before. I, I took it as he no, he's he's been ten foot tall, but he's not been fifty foot tall or whatever he, okay. he got to. You know? Gotcha. Um uh so I mean that's one probably is a bit more disposable. Although I do kind of appreciate it because it is like such a wacky group of characters. You know, it's, it's Ryan Choi and Mr. Terrific and the Metal Man. It's it's a it, it's a weird group. Like I can't deny that. And I and I just feel that that is something that I don't think like editorial came up with. Mm-hmm. I fully feel like that was Higgins being like, "Hey, I, I got an idea for a story," and they're like, "Sure, go for it." I, I mean, they probably you know? needed to like fill a couple of these slots. It's like, "Hey, yeah. we've, got, we've got eight pages. Uh, Higgins, do you want to do so?" It's like, "Oh yeah, can I use any characters that are not already being used?" Yeah, go for it. So. Because uh, it goes, because the lowest story next, and I think when it comes to lowest, I, I think you know, the point is that there's so many dark multiverses or dark universes that these things are taken from. That we, I think, yeah, it'd have been more fun for us to have the lowest that came from that that you know that one shot. Yeah, I just, but I don't like the story. Like even the dark spin on the story, I'm mm. just like, eh, like I don't know. It doesn't speak to who Lois is. Like I don't know. I just this one felt like a reach. Because sure. I wanted to like this one because I love Lois Lane, you know. Yeah, so this but is uh, like... this is a uh, Regine Sawyer writing who I'm not familiar with, and Elitha Martinez on art who I'm also not familiar with. And um, I, uh, I like the art. Yeah, the art's actually the art's got like well. a, a early two thousands sort of chunkiness mm-hmm. to it, but in a good way, in a way that I kind of yeah. kind of like. Uh, but yeah, it's all about this uh, this evil Lois who shoved some amber kryptonite into a superman uh which is interesting because this this lois from this other earth has a son named john but doesn't seem to be with superman uh in a relationship yeah it wasn't very clear because it seemed like maxima's involved mm-hmm. right so Ma- maxima ends up on her world ends up fighting superman as i dropped my ipad um, ends up fighting Superman and it causes the death of Lois's son. So Lois gets some amber kryptonite, which not only rips Superman's powers away and kills him, but gives her the powers. So then she, you know, goes and takes out the entire Justice League, you know, because no heroes, and then spreads it amongst all the people. And I'm just yeah. like, 
I don't, I don't think the kryptonite actually killed him. I think it just takes away his or drains his powers and gives it to her. Oh, that's right. It drains his power and then she cut off yeah. his damn head. Because she cuts yeah. off his head. Yes, I, I, I believe the cutting off the head was her doing <laughs> rather than the kryptonite. Yeah, 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 that's right. Because <laughs> uh, she's walking yeah, around yeah. with the, the 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 decapitated head. She's got the head with her. Right. Uh, right. And she's got. I think it's funny though. She's got all of her followers have got like you know like S symbols with right. the you know the sensor sign over it. But she's right. still wearing the S on her suit, and I'm like, that's a bit weird. That is. <laughs> it's a bit weird, but... Yep, definitely. Yeah. Um, I didn't think it was badly told, though. Conceptually, it's all a bit weird. Yeah. No, it's not badly told. I think it, it the story flows and stuff, but just for for Lois, and this is her her coming up with her darkness, I because, just it didn't land. Because the, the, the part of this I did like was Lois' narration talking about how yeah, of course, at some point in the early days, she did consider for a second, what if the Justice League turns bad? Like, what if the superheroes right. do get power mad or something? Like, of course, and it's the same reason why Batman was suspected of all the heroes at first as well, that the idea that what if these superpowered individuals just happen to decide one day that they've snapped and they're not going to be good guys anymore, That and how much of a problem that could be. It's only human nature to consider the possibility uh that that could happen so and i like the idea that lois especially has thought of that in the past because you know it's, it's an interesting part of her character given how close she is with superman that she has right. at some point thought of the possibility um so i like that part yeah. of it just the actual story of the evil lois and what world she came from yeah. is just whatever uh, and, and i do like the, where it ends because the the lois the evil lois wants her to scream for superman so mm-hmm. she can so evil lois can show up and kill him or he, when he shows up, she can kill him. But she's like, I know I don't have to scream. I know I trust in Clark enough that he'll know that I'm falling. He'll catch me. Yeah. You know? and, or even just the idea As that... you saw the other story, it's like, Lois, you're a little bit too trusting there, dear. <laughs> <laughs> but, but also, I like the idea that, especially since like, a lot of characters are dying in this story because they're, everyone's going to be reset anyway, right? And right. I love the idea that this evil Lois wants to kill Superman and she's going to use this Lois, or Lois, as, a, as bait. And the idea that our Lois is heroic enough to let herself die, to not have Superman be killed. The idea that she'll let herself fall to her death, to not let Superman come and save her, uh, so that he will survive and hopefully win this war that is currently going on. That, and that's kind of a good Lois moment, this idea that she won't like lure him there. That's, that's actually kind of a, a really strong beat for her. Yeah. So I think the actual character beats for our Lois in this are quite good. Yes, it's just for me for what the darkness was supposed to represent against her. You know what I mean? Just I wasn't digging that story at all. I guess it felt like a little bit too much. You know, especially because mm-hmm. the one that we had read was was her being you know consumed by the death of Superman and what that drove her to do. And it's been a while since I read that one, so I don't remember. I yeah, remember it's, it's been a while. Yeah, but right, but just like or the idea of of Dark Lois completely falling in with her dad. Right, her, her, like I, I just kind of wish there was that aspect there, that you know, that she sided more with Sam Lane, you know, and and that's what drove the darkness and the not trust of, of the Justice League and, you know, that that kind I, of stuff. I think I'm more positive on the slow story than you, just because I like all the Lois, like our Lois, like her beats, her, yeah. her, her worries, her fears, her moment at the end where she chooses not to scream. Like, all those moments for me work really well. I don't, I mean, I don't really like the evil version of Lois in this, but it doesn't really matter too much because it's not about her, as it is about our Lois. No, but I I got distracted by it and being, like, thinking of just the logistics <laughs> of that Dark Earth, 
and whatnot. Okay, sure. Like, I guess what I'm saying though is I would keep this yeah. one. If if I'm trying to cut this book down, I would keep this lowest story gotcha. in here. Uh, yeah. Whereas the next one, which I don't think the next one's bad, but I would cut it. No. Which is this is the the Raven I... Teen Titans story, uh, written by Chee Grayson and art by Potman. I like the art. Oh, they are good. We, yeah. we established we like Potman uh, when when they I think it was a Teen Titans book or it was a Titans book. That sounds um, right. They're reading. Because uh, obviously there's the evil I... the evil version of the Teen Titans show up uh, of her team and it's like an evil beast boy. Evil... I mean, the one thing I will say about this in terms of what I liked is there's a page where when Evil Raven, who's red, shows up, uh, there's just little uh, like bubbles of windows around her. They basically, yeah. in one panel each, shows you the concept of each of the evil Teen Titans. So it's actually quite good how succinct it is because it's like, okay, uh, like... Basically, it's it's a it's an Emmy who followed her mother's teachings. It's a it's a Damien who sided with Razal Ghul. It's a mm-hmm. Aqualad who followed his father's footsteps. It's a Beast Boy who went with uh, Terra instead of right. You know, so it very it, you know, Starfire killing her sister. Yeah, so it, it very neatly says these are the key decisions and people they followed that set them down their darker right. path. So I thought that was quite a, a good page and just very neatly expressing all that. Mm-hmm. Um, the overall story though, which is just you know, this is a Teen Titans that are actually led by Trigon. Uh, and Trigon. Well, yeah, Trigon. Uh, yeah, Trigon, who successfully possessed Raven, mm-hmm. right? Like and stuff. So, yeah. No, this one. This one felt long compared to like. So there's stuff I didn't like in the lowest one, but it was a quick read. Yeah. This one I felt like took forever to get through. Like, I was going through, and I was just like, okay, all right. Uh, there, there, there'll be another one like that later. Yeah, I. Uh, like I say, there's a couple of things in here. I mean, I like the art and I like that page because it's really mm-hmm. succinct in how it tells, a, a, you know, it tells his backstory yeah. for like six different characters without mm-hmm. feeling overwhelming. It's actually really impressive. But yeah. the actual story, and at, at this point, I'm like, okay, we have five evil versions of our five main characters. Uh, you know, we're doing this kind of over and over at this point. I'm a little bit tired of the formula. So yeah, I, I would cut this one out for sure, even though I do think there's a couple of really good qualities uh, mixed in. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Teen Titans one. Uh, then we have the penguin one. So when I saw when I saw in the yeah. credits there was a penguin story, I was like, wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> a penguin story. Uh, but sure enough, we have this penguin story where penguins fighting, you know, multiple uh dark multiverse versions of himself. One of whom was giving me some major Danny DeVito from uh Batman Returns vibes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But basically, his narration is about how. Yeah, he you know, he's a villain. He does these things, but he's all about the machine. He's all about the system and keeping the the mm-hmm. the, 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 the the criminal enterprise and the, the way the work the city works in place. And he's right. always about maintaining that kind of status quo. That there's a logic to it. There's a system to it. He's not a nice man by any means, but he doesn't want just chaos. No, no and it, you know, people people fail, but he's the constant in Gotham, right? Mm-hmm. For for all of Joker's crazy schemes or Two Face and his giant coins. Penguin's just there controlling the criminal enterprises. And that, and and almost that, and that ties like, in with like Joker World, the idea that he's got like a safe yeah. room. Whenever Joker's doing these right. big stuff, like, no, I'm just going to hide. I'm going to hunker down uh-huh. and I'm going to emerge after the chaos. Right. And that's what he's used to. He knows how to wade through the chaos. So, you know, the uh, Darkest Knight throwing three twisted versions of himself. Okay, I know how to deal with this. I really, I really like this as a character piece on the Penguin. Mm-hmm. Like this one worked a, a whole lot. That said, <laughs> the ending's kind of wild. <laughs> does he turn into a giant bird? <laughs> or is that just supposed to be his like mindset? Like 
he's actually in in reality people are just watching him disassemble these these guys uh, uh, right <laughs> but in his head he's a gigantic terror bird well you know? so i don't know well here's the thing so he, it looks like he's being eaten by the big green version of a penguin right, right. and i don't know yeah if it's metaphorical the idea that he's ripping out from within as this giant bird or if it's something to do with like oh he can control this this green penguin who can morph or something like that so he turns him into a giant freaking bird because because in the last page uh after you see like the, the, this giant bird that the penguin's like controlling killing everything oh he does kill the big green one as well like in the yeah. final page we see this bird kind of like roar uh or squawk i suppose is more of a <laughs> more of a bird noise uh but we right. see like sort of like a like the see-through window the transparent window in the middle to show us where penguin is and he's like, in there just sort of yelling to me this yeah. feels metaphorical it feels like the penguin's yeah. mirroring his movements and it's just like no he's went wild and he's that, he's, he's let the inner like you know it's, it's penguin's berserker rage yeah right yeah that okay that's what i wanted to make sure because if penguin just became a giant bird <laughs> i don't think so i don't know how he's not a dark penguin oh sure <laughs> right? Um, right but i will say but... they are they are here as wild uh, the story's kind of surprisingly interesting this is margaret bennett writing this one with an aki miranda on the art and i do think the art is uh I wasn't necessarily in love with it right away, but once it started getting to the big bird stuff, I was like, you know what? This is starting to grow on me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's very, like, creature-y. Like, it's not typical in DC. Yeah. Like, you'd see this more in, like, Dark Horse or, like, Image in the early days. Like, it reminded me of stuff that I used to see in Wizard that that Image was putting out. Something like in Savage Dragon. Um, and it, it, no, but it fit the story. This is such uh, a specific really, really well. character and story to do that. I have to imagine again. This was like Margaret Bennett had this idea yeah. and pitched like, "Hey, can I do a, a penguin story in this or whatever?" Because uh, it's just like, I, I can't. I can't imagine DC being like or editorial being like, "All right, we have, we have a penguin story. Who wants to read a penguin story?" And this is what yeah. someone comes up with in in death metal. Like yeah. we need we need to know what his frame <laughs> is. But yeah, him turning into a giant bird. It was like I was here for it. Like monster. <laughs> monster penguin and stuff i just didn't understand the mechanism that turned him but as it's supposed to be as long as you read it as metaphorical too then i i'm okay i did you i know, mean it was that last page that really did it because flipping through and seeing him turn i was like what is going on here? here's the thing though see if it isn't metaphor if someone says that here's here's why this isn't metaphorical yeah. i'm kind of okay with it because it's metal and everyone's yeah. doing weird shit anyway so it's fine <laughs> right i just wish it was just a little bit more clear you know what i mean like um but yeah no i penguin is probably a underrated batman villain i mean you know joker takes up a lot of the air and mm. you know we have the danny devito version but not i can't think of any other iconic versions of penguin and don't don't at me with gotham because i only watched like six episodes i'm <laughs> sure it was fine <laughs> um, honestly it's kind of funny how much of a sort of squirmy little serial killer isn't that that show from what i've seen yeah well, see, I'd, I'd always liked the idea of there, you know, there were rumors of uh, Nolan for Dark Knight Rises, like what he was going to do. Mm. And I, I always remember hearing like Philip Seymour Hoffman as Penguin and just the idea of him being this, what we just talked about, like he keeps the underground mm. alive. Like he's a, he is basically an accountant for crime and he keeps everything on the bottom level, you know? Uh, and I, I really liked that idea of him. And we never got it, right? Because he went with, you know, No Man's Land in Bane. So, um, but yeah, I think the story does it really, really it, well. It was a surprising one. There was a surprising find mm -hmm. in this uh, in this book. Uh, the next story, I, I will say, 
I think what's interesting about this next story, the Constantine story, is that I actually think the story is worth telling and it has quite an amusing twist to it. And mm-hmm. it's actually written by Matthew Rosenberg, who I've really liked his, some of his work at Marvel. So yeah. it was see that. I do think it probably should have been a story that was like separate and put somewhere else. I, I don't know if it fits in this because like the, the the jarring tonal shift and art shift when I got to this this first page of this it, story, it was like, whoa, wait a minute. It's definitely the art shift, and and I like Rob Guillory. Um, the cartoony style mm-hmm. uh, works, just not compared to the other ones here. Um, even like- if this was just different art, I feel that the story still fits here. Sure. Um, for for Constantine because it is a Constantine story, but yeah, uh, like, I, I, definitely. I could have easily seen this because it's such a funny little idea for a story that like, you could have just sort of altered some of the start of it so it's not on the battlefield of metal, yeah, and just done this story some other way somewhere else. But uh, the story is, is it much like a, some of these other stories. It's him meeting the the dark multiverse version of himself, and it's this more kind of like heavy metal version of of John Constantine who is basically winning the fight. But the joke is, is that they basically says, hey, there's, there's a pub over there. How about we go and have a drink before you kill me? And they, they basically shoot the shit a little bit and, you know, note the, the slight differences between them. Um, with the understanding that evil Constantine is going to kill good Constantine by the end. Although he starts to come right. around and says, you know, maybe you you can join our side, mate. You know, like, I'll talk yeah. to the Batman who laughs and, you you're, know. You're pretty flexible. Yeah. You know? I also love to dig it at, uh, yeah, I never... You're me if I ever got into heavy metal. <laughs> I just, I'd love, I'd love that coming from uh, Constantine. Also, um, I'd love to pick Connor's brain on this one, being that he's he's from England. This came off as someone that hasn't lived in England trying to write British slang. <laughs> did did you get that too? Uh, there was one uh, that stuck out to me. Uh, it's when Constantine. What, what, I don't know which constant it was, I can't remember, but one of them refers to one of the supermen as an absolute unit, and that is something that an English person would say. Um, I don't know if I necessarily imagine Constantine saying that, <laughs> so that one stuck yeah. out to me. Well, there was that one, and um, he said something about going to the Tesco's. Oh yeah, go to Tesco. <laughs> Are you familiar with Tesco, yeah. Matt? Have you ever heard of Tesco? The only reason I know is because of our friend James talking about Tesco. Okay. <laughs> on on Twitter and in, in the Facebook group. It's just um, one of the supermarket. If anyone doesn't know, it's just one of the supermarket right. chains. There's nothing supermarket. Special. He also calls everybody tossers, which I think like I've never actually heard a, a, a British person actually say that and mean it. You know, like there's other uh, other words. It's about more. Use, I like, think it's more of an eighties thing. Like uh, there's definitely like British sitcoms from the eighties that would use it, and like right. and it sounds more natural. Maybe it's like his time has kind of been and gone. Yeah, it, 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 that, that, it would surprise me if Rosenberg has watched a lot of like stuff like from the eighties, and that's where some of this yeah. this language is coming from. And 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 again, it's fine. It just it, I had to make sure before I said anything. Rosenberg isn't British. Because well, if I said that, I know. don't actually know. I don't know where Rosenberg's from. He, he's not. Okay. Uh, he's it says he's listed as American. Now, did he grow up? I don't know. So sure. if this gets back to them, I I apologize, <laughs> but it just it read like someone you know where people don't talk like that, right? Like there's when you're reading dialogue that you know it just it I, came I, out. I mean, it's, it's not trying. It's not the worst example of it I've found. I've def, but yeah. I've definitely had this as well in the past where you have a you have like and not even just like British stuff, like because obviously 
I'm fairly familiar with how English people speak, and obviously I know how Scottish people speak, so I notice when those sound a bit over the top. But I'll I'll even notice it when it's like something else where it feels like someone will like they'll be writing like an Australian character, for example, mm-hmm. and there'll just be too many Australiasms, and, and the like right. a quick span of time, you just feel it feels a bit forced, they, and it's just a bit they too throw much. Meat at the end of everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So but no, just but I I will say I will enjoy it, but the tonal shift of this one compared to some of the other ones, it's just, it was, it, it gave me whiplash almost. I feel like if you did want to split this into two books, I feel like if you have a more jokey fun as the second book, this would be a good in that one as opposed to yeah. the main one. But, um, yeah. it wasn't a bad story. There was a, there was a wit to it. And obviously the, the story is that, because they, because he checks to make sure, because uh, evil Constantine insists on pouring the drinks to make sure that, you know, mm-hmm. Constantine's not done anything, you know, to them, to poison them. Uh, but the joke ends up being that, Constant or Constantine doesn't take ice in his drinks, so he actually poisoned the ice. So eventually, evil right. Constantine vomits out tons of blood and dies. And yeah. Constantine says, "You'll it's get back metal. to the fight maybe after another drink." <laughs> so right. you know, it's just, I mean, the actual story is good. It is a bit of a real tonal shift. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the final story I think this is uh, is the monsters. Yeah. Not counting, of course, the wraparound. Uh, mm-hmm. But there is a. Swamp Thing narrating uh, a story about all the monsters. So you got Grunda there, you got Frankenstein, Clayface, uh, which I'm all for a story with all these characters could've, together. I used way more of these monsters instead of just another Swamp Thing story because I'm starting to get tired of Swamp Thing stories. I think Swamp Thing's a great character, but I feel like everyone's getting to tell their Swamp Thing story and there's just a lot of them right now. That's, hold so, on, how's there a lot of them? I, 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 so I've, I've read a lot of these, these like anthology style ones, and there's always a Swamp Thing story, right? That's because people love Swamp just, Thing, and there's no Swamp Thing book, at least there will be soon, but there hasn't been a Swamp Thing book for a while. So people true. are they're chomping at the bit to tell some Swamp Thing stories. That's fine. I just, a lot of the stories don't add up to a good Swamp Thing story. Are you just, are you just you mad know? that Swamp Thing's better than Frankenstein? Is that what this is? No, 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 I have no attachment to side. Um, That's a Tim thing, sorry. But, That's a Tim. Yeah, that is well, a Tim thing. Well, well, yeah, but, no, if you're talking about the Wolfman, then, then we'll, we'll battle. Um, oh, yeah, Wolfman's a chump. <laughs> but, uh, no, he's not. <laughs> no, Wolfman has nards. <laughs> um, so, uh, no, just a story, I don't know. Just the... It starts off strong with all these monsters. I'm like, oh, cool, we'll see what the monsters are up to. And it's Justin Jordan, and I'm familiar a little bit with Justin Jordan at DC and like, okay. And then it just becomes a, this is swamp thing who renounced his humanity. Cause he didn't have Alec Holland's soul, just yeah, his body. The, the evil one there. That's from the, the multiverse. The evil yeah. one, right. And he becomes the, the swamp King. And I like that name. Takes over. Oh, mate, your mate's yeah. gone. Your mate's gone. Mm-hmm. I, I like the swamp Kings cause it actually still sounds a lot like swamp thing. So it's a nice. And, yeah, and, and it works. Right. And so he, takes over all the parliaments and ends up being all about life, but there's no point to life when it's all full, just through the green. And it was just, it was a long way to go. Like this, this was like three pages too long, I think. Yeah. I, I think I conceptualize the story a lot more than I actually mm-hmm. like the story uh, and it has, yeah. it plays out. Um, you know, I love the idea of like Swamp Thing kind of, you know, being able to win this and be able to sort mm-hmm. of do this because he has the soul and, um right. and so on and so on but um i would cut this one out i, I think the three i would have cut out are this one the teen titans one and the one that was before Probably. the lowest one what was that what was before lois uh 
that was the... Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, There's too many stories. I can't remember them all. Yeah. But, yeah, there's probably, like, three I would have cut. And then maybe the Constantine one is still good, but could have been put elsewhere. Uh, would maybe... Oh, the Atom. Uh, Atom. Metal Men yeah. one, yeah. Um, yeah. So... You know, and people might disagree with which ones to cut or whatever. I, yeah, I think, I I think just... you get this down by 30 pages to about 50. You charge yeah. 5 or $6 instead of the, and, the, the 9 And if it wasn't the third 80-page we've gotten, mm-hmm. you know, I think that makes a big difference too because it's yeah. just... I mean, and there is one next week, but the one next week is super interesting because it's the, the Generations right. one. So I'm actually... That's right, probably that's the not becoming... a metal 80-page. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually really excited for that one next week because of what yeah. it is, but... Well, and it's it's Jurgens, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Jurgens doesn't really let me down, so you know, I'm I'll, I'll be okay with that one. And it seems to be more more focused. Like this had focus, but these are kind of a crapshoot. When you look at the table of contents, you're like, oh, a penguin story. Oh, a Lois story. Yeah, but the penguin story ended up being one of the better <laughs> stories. No, in the book, which I is know. Funny. But what I mean by a crapshoot is it's generations. We know this is. Yeah. You know, Superboy from the fifties and the original Batman, and yeah, yeah, yeah. there's there's yeah. a thing to it. So. it. You know, it's it's uh, it's it's, I, it's maybe a bit of a mixed bag. I do think this is still a pretty solid one shot overall, all things considered. Um, but it probably could have been trimmed down a little bit and some fat trimmed and made a bit cheaper, but uh, and make it a bit less of a slog. I think a sixty page here instead of an eighty page would have went maybe a, a long way uh, yeah. to overall no, that, its, its overall acceptance. But, um, yeah, not bad. Though. I mean, I think over, on the whole, I've said this repeatedly, but I think on the whole, the metal tie-ins have actually been quite a successful story. There's been one or two weak ones, but for the most part, they've all they've all fat, they've all fit really neatly into where mm-hmm. the story is, and they've kind of enhanced. If you're enjoying what's going on, and if you don't, you can skip them. But, um, you know, if you're not enjoying metal in general, then you know you're in a weird place because it's it's always frustrating when the big universe story that's everything's focusing on is not to your taste, so you don't think it's very good. And I've been there. I've been there in the past where I've hated the main event, and it's been a nightmare. Um, but that's that's basically, it obviously goes back to the Wonder Woman story, which again, as we said earlier, ends with mm-hmm. her saying, I'll kick your ass. <laughs> like, cliffhanger, come back from Metal 7 next week, where it all wraps up. Uh, so, yeah. Um, it's always weird rating these ones, because they're such a mixed bag, but uh, what, yeah. are you, what are you rating the, the I'm, whole shebang? I'm gonna... Man, yeah, this is tough. I guess six point five is pretty fair. Like, yeah, I was thinking seven. I think it's good overall. There's some, there's some better than others, but there's some, a couple of real nice surprises in there, and even a couple that I don't like. There's at least things in them I like on their own. You know, like the Titan mm-hmm. story had a couple of those ideas or pages that I really liked, or you know, um, I I don't know if there was any one that I outrageous hated from start to finish and had no redeeming qualities. Like everything had something at least, and some of them I liked overall. So, um, you know, and as much as the lowest one might not have been the best story overall, I do actually think a couple of those character beats might be some of the strongest moments in the whole book. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about it. So, but, so yeah, solid seven for me. You get a 6.5. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, Justice League Endless Winter Issue 2, Andy Lanning and Ron Mars writing with Howard Porter, Carmine DJ Domenico on the art, of course, with Marco Santucci on the flashback segment, which is not the start of this one, which makes sense given it's the ending and they're doing something mm-hmm. a little bit different. Uh, so, I mean, this is more or less what you think it's going to be, you know? Uh, a little bit oversized, but not super oversized like the 80 pages. No, no. Um, 
And but I do I, I did enjoy the flow of it and it mm-hmm. wrapped everything up as it should because it is a, a bookend. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and missed missed the Santucci stuff. Well, we do get it a little bit later, yeah, but yeah, not the start. Yeah. I, well, that's the thing. We, 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 we speculated that it was going to flash back to before the fight, and it did, yeah. but not as much as I thought. I thought we were going to get a full right. scene. We got, like, three panels of uh, Hippolyta giving Diana the costume. But, yeah. you know, we're still kind of right. I'll take the points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll take so, the points. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you're kind of waiting throughout the fight, of course, for the various elements to show up. They, 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 they track the Frost King, because he disappears again. They track him back to the, where the original fortress was. They go there, uh, Justice League all, with Hippolyta and Black Adam are all there to fight. Um, but then that's when the Viking swamp thing finally emerges and starts taking on the Frost King. Which, uh, we, we get like a kaiju battle between Viking yeah. Swamp Thing and, and the Frost King avatar. As the Justice League members are running around do, dealing yeah. with the ice, you know, monsters. The that creatures, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, neat stuff. Uh, the big thing, though, is that Hippolyta and Batman fall down a crevice during everything and they actually realize that even the main frost king they've been fighting is not actually him even that's still an avatar the real person right. is still in like a, an electric bubble beneath, right. beneath the uh, fortress uh which is where a lot of the sort of the the story kind of plays out its ending of course right. up above because when black adam hears this he's like oh okay well, i'm just gonna go down and kill him then and everyone okay. and everyone else is like no no, no murder yeah <laughs> we're gonna solve Wait, this another way have you not learned your lesson bro <laughs> and, and i love the the um the rivalry almost between black adam and superman well yeah like Super- they, superman they swoops, go nose to nose yeah he swoops in because obviously superman's like one of the few beings there who can actually take him on on a one-on-one right. fight and I, I felt that the Black Adam, so someone actually tweeted this to us as well this week, and I agree with this, is that it feels like the biggest thing being set up out of Endless Winter for the status quo going forward is the fact that Black Adam is now pissed at the Justice League and yep. the tension that's there because Superman stopped him from doing this. So I think that's going to play into whatever's happening cool. post-March. And we know it looks like Black Adam's with the Justice League. Yeah, and yeah. And this is stuff too, so, you know. That how, tension's going to be there. Well. Yeah, so. And, and no, but I just, I like it because it always had said that, you know, like, Shazam's there be- for Superman because he can't handle magic stuff. And it's not that Superman can't handle magic things. It's that it affects him like it affects other people. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So weakness. But the idea of him being able to go toe-to-toe and not fear Black Adam, because it's not like Black Adam's in a mop floor with him, you know? I just, I like that, that he doesn't have to back down from him. Um, and so it's good. You never see, you never really see anybody trying to put Black Adam in his place outside of Billy. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I appreciate that there actually, there's a, it seems like there's a bit of a universe plan here where this is neatly yeah. setting up some of the character dynamics that are going to be in that new Justice League book come mm-hmm. March. So, uh, I, I dig that. I dig that a bit. Because yeah. obviously, at the end of the, the issue, Black Adam's on TV saying, ah, this team of heroes is, is at, the, mm-hmm. at its end. They've been causing too much trouble and the world's in a shitty place because of it. Uh, just as the rest of the Justice League are struggling to fight off all the Ace Hordes, uh, that's mm-hmm. when Aquaman shows up with his, uh, his fire troll fire army <laughs> that yeah, yeah, yeah. he assembled. So, you know, everything that was set up kind of comes together. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some banter between them. Um, ultimately, Hippolyta reaches out to take the hand of Frost, you know, the real Frost King in yeah, the bubble. Head bald. Yeah, which, uh, you know, causes everything to stop. The ace armies all fall. Uh, you know, fight is concluded. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have some epilogue moments with Diana and Hippolyta, you know, saying, you know, you did what I failed to do, daughter. You know, they have a loving moment. Black right. Adam's sitting on his, his throne, looking all evil like, I will. Yes. 
Yeah, he's yeah. pissed. Yeah, that's basically it. He's uh-huh. pissed. Which is like, oh, they didn't let me kill that guy that I got yelled at for oh, for killing last time. And I was like, bro, come on. Yeah. Um, there is a lot. I just love that. Yeah, there's a little bit of a uh, comic book resetting here. Uh, the Fortress of Solitude's back in its original location. Uh, uh-huh. Basically wiping away the fact that Bendis moved it to the Bermuda Triangle. Um, right. The reasoning here being that basically by just abandoning the foundation that was there, Superman left a lot of tech and stuff that could be exploited, and he realized that the safer thing to do is just to rebuild on top of it so that no one can get their hands on anything. And right. so that's why he's back in the original I, fortress. Kind of like Batman taking him to task. It is Batman that takes him to yeah. task for that, right? Where he's like, yeah, you, you left up, but you didn't clean up. This is kind of on you, bud. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's to be so fair, he says, like yeah, that. I was careless. It, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you know, you know. Whoops, a daisy. Clark knows, but yeah, no, I thought thought that was real, real good. Viking Prince chooses to stay in Valhalla, which mm-hmm. kind of bums me out because, like, the idea of getting some Viking Prince stories because now we 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 can't because he died in Endless Winter, <laughs> so there's no like Viking Viking Prince stories that take place in between. No, nope, um, nope. but yeah. Uh, you know, some Christmassy stuff. Uh, with uh, I think Barry uh, brings John mm-hmm. back for Christmas dinner. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and Bobo too. He's invited as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the story ends with, uh, you know, Edward's um, frozen. He wants to be frozen with his family until they can all mm-hmm. be woken up. So, it, you know, the, the main story ends with him sort of smelling in like an ice because now he's with his right. family. And at least in his dreams. Yeah. So, you uh, know, it's which... kind of a bittersweet ending. Um, yep. But we do end with a couple of pages uh, back to the Santucci art. We go back yep. to after everything that happened in the past. Basically, Swamp Thing, um, the the wizard, and Tapala are trapping Black Adam once more, and him yelling that you know they will all pay a price yeah. for trapping him. So even the ending kind of again puts us in this frame mm-hmm. of reference of Black Adam has got some you know a blood debt. He's got some right. payment uh, he, coming his way. <laughs> yeah, no, but I but I like that that they were like, yeah, you're out on work release, dude. You got to go back to jail. Yeah, you just don't get to come out because you helped. You know, well, uh, and you made things worse. <laughs> like, I, I like well, like because obviously it doesn't really add much to the cliffhanger of present day that he is pissed no. and wants revenge or he wants to like go toe to toe with the Justice but, League. But what it does do for that story is that it mm-hmm. sets up that even in the past, the idea that Black Adam was so dangerous to the the, the, yeah. the League, if you want to call him that, of that time, right. that they were willing to imprison him once again because he's this dangerous. So it sets up the threat mm-hmm. and just how much of a, a an issue it could pose if Black Adam yeah. is in the world interacting with the heroes. And it, you know, it, it puts us on, on this unstable footing going forward with what's yeah. going to happen with Justice League. So No, I, I like it because we usually get isolationist conduct Black Adam. Right, think like mm-hmm. in Doomsday Clock, where he's inviting all the the supers to come there, and he gives them, you know, uh, what's that called? Uh, diplomatic immunity? No, diplomatic immunity. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, what is it where you can go to a another country? There's like no extradition, but that, there's there's a word for it. Extradition, you mean? <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, put the emphasis on the wrong side. Uh, uh, oh God, uh, not refuge. Uh, yeah. Asylum. Political asylum. Asylum. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. So he opened it up for asylum and stuff. So now we're getting one that's a, he's a little bit more like wanting to be hands-on in the world because he's tired of seeing it. For some reason, just in my head, I just I had a thought of like uh, Batman leaning into some sort of villain saying, I'll give you asylum. Arkham <laughs> Asylum. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, 
Uh, but no, yeah, I, I liked it. I could have used a little bit more Santucci, you sure, know. Sure, sure. Because we got used to that opening the book, you know. Oh, yeah. But it was nice to had we had that through line of him. It was, it was actually kind of nice to end in a couple of pages of his art mm-hmm. because it was, like, he was the through line uh, mm-hmm. throughout the whole the whole crossover. Yeah. So, so, so that was neat. Uh, I had a lot of fun with this crossover. Yeah, um, me too. It set up the Black Adam sort of relationship going forward, which I think is the biggest thing coming out of it for mm-hmm. the world going forward. But it was a fun, you know, story. Uh, it was fun learning about this this uh, this Frost King and his past and yeah. uh, how it interacted with various members of the, the Justice League and all their different pockets throughout all the issues. Yeah. You know, I had fun with it. Yeah, you have Viking Swamp Thing showing up and having a kaiju battle with a giant axe. It, it was, you know, great. it wasn't a, a new crisis or anything. It doesn't need to be though. No. It was just a fun crossover. No, and and after you know, since I've been reading comics, it's always a crisis. So having something like this that's a little bit more low key, yeah, and just a fun read, you know, that I'm happy to collect, and it, and it got me to buy, you know, Teen Titans, which I haven't bought in a while, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. Um, Here's hoping for Teen Titans Academy to uh, be worth yeah. worthy of the uh, price of admission. Yep. yep. Uh, but no, I had fun with this. Uh, and, and the main art in this issue is solid. You know, I, I like yeah. the artists that are involved. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I can see Gio Domenico's art in most things and be happy. So Yeah, yeah. I, I think, that, you know, T maybe feels a little bit when it's a more of a talky issue because it's, it's, you know, he's more yeah. of an action. Like, everyone's mm-hmm. moving around doing big things. I think, yeah. it, we're as opposed to say, like, I wouldn't want him on, say, Rorschach, where it's all the talking heads because, right. you know, that's not where he shines. Uh, no, no, no. But something uh, like this, where it's yeah. a big event style thing yeah yeah good stuff all right we, we give an endless winner uh, um, to... i'm gonna give this one an eight yeah i'll agree with the eight. I, that was a solid fun event um i think it was a good good you know in a month that, i mean if you take out endless winter december's dc line doesn't really have a whole lot going on outside of like a few metal books so yeah. um i'm i was happy for its inclusion and i think it made december a fun uh nice little winter event so uh oh, i am pleased with that okay so batman annual issue five james tay in the fourth writing with james stoko in the art so we get to hear once again that matt does not like <laughs> james stoko's art <laughs> but everyone else does <laughs> and that's fine you guys you guys can like it i just it, especially in this issue i will give him credit that i like his demonic-esque joker because to the sure. eyes of a 14 year old that's fine but just some of the other art i don't like this batman it's a, it's too stylistic. I know. I, I know that sounds weird to hear for for comic book stuff. I will but... admit that I don't necessarily love how his Batman looks in this story, mm-hmm. but I love how his like city streets look. I love I love the buildings and I love the the color palette. Um, you yeah. know, like I discovered Stoko through an Alien comic, and it was perfect for those like you know hallways of the spaceships and all the xenomorph shit. Right. Uh, I love the way the, the city feels. Uh, so this, this is a, a Leslie Tompkins Clown Hunter story where mm-hmm. uh, we get this idea that there's, there's some people uh, in the bad parts of Gotham that actually stick up for her because she, she, she mm-hmm. does like heal and help yeah. a lot of people, uh, a lot of homeless people, a lot of criminals. Big Henry. Yeah, Big Henry, who comes in and like, threatens this mugger who tries yeah. to mug Leslie. <laughs> yep. You know, uh, it's a fun time. Uh, but when she gets back to her clinic, uh, Clown Hunter's there, and this ties into, because Batman sent him here, uh, from mm-hmm. uh, the previous issues and she's obviously willing to help um, and it becomes this conversation about how she obviously has known Bruce since he was a kid and has had a problem with like his violence that he uses as Batman uh, right. but has ultimately been trying to help him for all these years 
And the idea that she's going to try and help this kid just in the same way, because why wouldn't she? Um, right, so she's also Tompkins. I will critique mom. that we did have to see the Wayne's murder briefly again, because I'm sick of seeing it. And I, I, I almost threw my iPad. <laughs> I read this last night and I got to that and I was like, I I'm done. I never want to see a loose pearl again. Like, I'm I'm at that point where it's been done to death. It's and you can say the same about Superman with we get it, the, the dying planet, the lost sun. Yeah. I'm tired of kind of seeing that too, but not at the level of but Batman. I feel like we've complained about not seeing the Wayne's murder like four times in the last six months. Like it's happening yeah. constantly. It's really weird. Yeah. Uh, we get it. They died. It sucks. It, it, <laughs> Well, that trauma here's the thing. influenced Bruce the rest of his life. Well, no, that's just that's, here's the thing though. In this issue, it's not about Bruce really. It's about Leslie's perception yeah. of it. And I think right. her walking down Crime Alley and like have have the narration say she she you know she always thinks mm-hmm. about that night when she's walking down Crime Alley. Right. I have no problem with that. Uh, yeah. But the art chose to show a few panels of it happening, and that is the part I could have done without because I've seen it to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because I did like I did like that caveat of that it used to be. Uh, you know the nice part of town yes but then when when other people started moving in all the people that you know wanted all the rich people moved out and and it became crime alley and to be fair here i do think it does have to be brought up in the story because this Mm -hmm. story ultimately becomes about clown hunter's parents death which has to be compared to brucey's from leslie's eyes it has to so she has to mention it in her narration i just we've seen it enough i don't want to see it again just stop it (laughs) right yes Uh, do you think that Certain writers and artists want to have that in their quiver, and that's why we get it so much. Uh, not, yeah. not necessarily Tynan, right? Because he could have done this at any point. But yes. Maybe Stoko kind of like. Yeah, I've never oh, done this. So I, 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 yeah, I, right? I want to. I want to draw my version of this because Which, everyone has to get a turn. I'm happy for him, but at the same time, I'm tired of seeing it. <laughs> do it for yourselves, guys. Make a print. We'll be good. Yeah, do a print. Yeah, do a print. That's all you need to do. Yeah. Do a print and sell it. Uh, but, you know, so as she's patching Clint Hunter up, he tells the story of what happened to his parents. And his parents were in a restaurant, um, and basically Harley and Joker came in, and it was Harley's idea to come here. So she picked the restaurant, which is why she's culpable in, in the death of his parents. Because she actually leaves before before he kills them. She's not even right. there for it. Uh, but she comes in with the hyenas. Uh, they're hungry after, a, like, a diamond heist or something they've done. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Batman and Joker, or, sorry, Joker and Harley, I should say. Yeah. Uh, and a joke. I know, I know. Going diamond shopping, <laughs> well, taking it to the next level. Well, uh, there's, there's love in his eyes, okay, Matt? There's love in his eyes. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, you're kind of waiting for him to, like, be evil and kill them. Because the parents look scared, but they're like, no, we'll just serve them and they'll leave after. Mm-hmm. But Joker gasses them um, and leaves, because that's, you know, who he is. And Batman, you know, is there afterwards, and he promises, you know, uh, Pow, the, or what was his name? Tau? Bow. Pow? Nope. Is, it, is it P? Yeah, okay. Bow. Uh, no, Bow. B-A-O. B, it's a B, okay. B-A-O. Yeah. Bow. Like, like, the, like the bun. Yes. Uh, so he, he promises Bow that he's going to, uh, you know, do something about this. He's going to track him down. He's going to do this. Uh, and he gives him a batarang as a, as a sort of promise, as a, as a vow. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why he has a batarang in the future on his bat. <laughs> the bat-bat, right. as, as we find out he calls it. We may have heard that before, but I'd forgotten it's it. It definitely was. Yeah. Uh, but you know, he, he he waited. He played his video games. He he listened. He he paid attention to the police reports. But as time went on, the Joker kept doing more things, and he became more disillusioned by the idea that Batman was actually going to ever really accomplish anything. And then the Joker War happened. Um, and again, some of my favorite art of this is is, is that two page layout of the streets with the all of the, the mm-hmm. flames and the smoke Chaos. and the the clowns and the the bikes and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and he basically, this this woman that him and like his other foster, you know, kids know, uh, gets burned by a Molotov, and this is what drives him over the edge. As you know, that, to be fair, that's pretty dark. Like it, it got. I wasn't ready for it to get that dark. Yeah. Seeing the lady on fire. Yeah. Yeah, super dark. Um, so he he has the idea. He goes back in to his room. He throws the bat around and it hits his baseball bat and he gets the idea. So he makes his his quick costume. I I love that the the mohawk he's got in his helmet is literally just the broom. It's the head. broom from the restaurant. Yeah. Uh, uh, such a neat little touch. Uh, and he goes out and he just you know basically shanks this <laughs> this this Molotov clown. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you know some of the other clowns come after him. Uh, he ends up on fire. Uh, the clown that is not not bow. Right. Um, and. Basically, the idea is that he built up a bit of a reputation that they, they were scared to come to this neighborhood. He'd accomplished something, people cheered him on, so it made them feel like he was doing the right thing. But Leslie points out that, you know, just because people like it and cheer you on doesn't necessarily mean it's, you're doing the right thing. Uh, that can be reaffirming in a dangerous way when it, when mm-hmm. it shouldn't be. Um, and says, look, I have an anger management class every Wednesday. You're welcome to come. And even if you don't come to that, I do look forward to seeing you again so we can, we can talk more. And, you know, Clown Hunter's kind of dealing with the idea that he he kind of, like, feels conflicted about not killing Harley when he had the chance. Like, the idea that he's been mm-hmm. spoken out of it is like, well, am I just as bad as Batman now of, of not accomplishing and not getting things done because I, I wavered and didn't do it? Um, So, basically, yeah, it really feels like a kid who's, you know, what, 15, he sees the world in this black and white way and he's starting to get to that age and learn the lessons of, you know, that there are shades of grey and things aren't that mm-hmm. simple and you have to actually consider the nuance of the situation in a way and right. if no one can improve and get better then you know because he's, he's ignoring that side of everything completely mm-hmm. um it's one thing to argue the joker should be killed it's another thing to argue everyone who's ever put on a clown mask and done something his name should also be killed uh yeah but when they when they burn a, a foster lady i mean yeah, yeah maybe, that, maybe. that that particular person's clearly in the extreme maybe, side of the- maybe string him maybe string him up <laughs> you know um um so yeah, it's, it's got a nice sentiment. It's a very Leslie Tompkins focused issue, uh, and I also like g- getting the, the the full origin for Clown Hunter. So it's, it's it's a good thing for for an annual like this, I think, to like tie into the main story, add a lot of depth to one of the characters. But it does feel separate enough that it feels suited to be in an annual rather than just being an issue of the book. Yeah, so definitely, I, 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 it's different enough, and if Batman is there, right? Yeah, and we yeah. get to see how he impacted Clown Hunter, and then kind of. Like, how often does this happen with, with Batman? How many of these kids are out there, mm-hmm. too? Because it, it asks that question, you know, that that don't go on to do what Clown Hunter did, you know? Yeah. So, I, you know, I, it's just a really good use of an annual. If you're going to have an annual, this is like the perfect mm-hmm. sort of thing to throw into it. And, and it, it, because it's about the death of this kid's parents, it's like, well, is he any less valid in his anger than Bruce ever has been? No. It's just, you know, like, his parents died just like, just, just like Bruce's did. So... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is, it is bringing those ideas in here. Um, and un, unlike Matt, I do like the, the art quite a bit. So yes, yeah. So I mean, everyone has different tastes. I just it's not, not not there for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's stylized. Obviously, the, you know the faces aren't necessarily the sort of faces that I expect from other artists to do. You know, wonderful expressions and stuff like that. But it feels. Stoko feels uh it's still very expressive though, I think, even though it is a bit more stylized than others. But uh like I say, it is just the worlds around the characters, it's the surroundings, it's the streets, it's the it's the the texture to the colours. Like even like Clown Hunter's like costume, 
the scratchiness mm-hmm. of it just has a like a bit of texture to it that I think looks very pleasing. But um, but yeah, it basically just ends with him. You know, he reveals his name, takes off his helmet because Leslie asked yeah. to see who he really is, uh, and she says, "Nice to meet him." And that's the end of the story. And it's the idea, yeah, there's hope for this kid yet. Uh, he's not just a complete mm-hmm. lost cause. Um, which is kind of proving Batman's point in a lot of ways. The everything he's been saying to you know, Ghostmaker or whatever his stupid name is. Yeah, Ghostmaker. I just, and it also speaks to a bigger issue that I've had with Tynan's run of these characters he's introducing, and it's cool that he's trying to introduce new characters. Mm-hmm. I just feel that a lot of them, there's a, they're very, very similar. You know, out of the three so far that come to mind, you know, um, we had the designer and, and Ghostmaker come from his past. Um, and then you have, you have Clown Hunter and Ghostmaker that are both kind of the Jason Todd argument of things of how brutal does Batman be, you know, what, and, and how his philosophy only creates more problems. And it's just, I don't know. It's just a lot right now, but I don't know what else Tynan would do, you know? So it's just, yeah. I I think challenging Batman's war is an interesting take and far more interesting than maybe a lot of other, you know, takes you can have. It's not, it's not necessarily the war. It's the, 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 I mean, I just, maybe I just, Ghostmaker and Clown Hunter back to back. Like maybe if it was spread out a little bit. I mean, I, I, I like Clown Hunter well. That's just Ghostmaker. I don't like yeah. so. I, I, and I don't. Like, I think there's good potential to come mm-hmm. from the character given the new status quo that we've ended. But all the backstory and retcon him into Bruce's past. That's what I've not. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't like. What's What's the other book that we saw Stoko on? I, I just tried to pull it up, and I can't oh, yeah, find it. Was, it. it was one of the Cloud Hunter stories in one of the, the bat okay. issues, yeah. Gotcha. There was a, a Cloud Hunter story in, like, uh, I think it was probably the, the Warzone uh, one-shot. Gotcha. That had, that had a few stories okay. in it. I imagine that's where it was. Uh, but yeah, uh, so, no, I liked the issue. I, I, thought it was, uh, I thought it was solid. Um, I mean, what would you rate it? How do you feel overall with it? Uh, I'm t- I mean, the story itself versus the art, I mean... I feel bad giving it less than a seven because the story is good. You know, I just, you know, the art at times, I was just like, oh man. Then I haven't seen the, the Waynes again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll probably get a 7.5. I probably would get the eight, but I'm docking half a point for seeing the Wayne's death again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just straight up docking half a point for, for that. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so there you go. That's Batman Angel. Uh, number five. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do have a couple of Patreon books to do for the month of December. Uh, I've left them both to this week because it was such a late week for books. Uh, I will start off with American Vampire, issue 14 we're on, not 13. Uh, mm. That's good to know. Because yeah. I thought it was 13 earlier. Uh, so this is the story of uh, you know going, going to war, Skinner's on the platoon, uh, but Henry doesn't know what Skinner looks like, so he doesn't know. And I actually didn't know, realize that at the end of the last issue. I, I assumed he was going to realize that that was Skinner. Uh, but it is smartly pointed out, Pearl points it, because Pearl, having gotten that letter that implied that Skinner was on the boat with the platoon and was going in with them, because uh, just for everyone who's forgotten, the, 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 the gist of this, this arc so far is that Henry's been rec- recruited by the vassals, and they've got a mission to clear out a den of vampires that are in an island around Japan, because the actual, you know, World War II that's going on is going to actually be going through there, and they don't want the actual regular soldiers to be uh, basically slaughtered by a bunch of vampires. So they've got, like, a secret, sub-secret mission to go in and take out the vampire nest. 
uh, and Henry's been recruited into that. But uh, yeah, Pearl goes to 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 what's his face? I forgot his name. Hobbs. That's the one. Uh, goes to Hobbs at the hotel and demands to know what's going on. Uh, lets them know that Skinner's there, and basically, ultimately, it boils down to you have to get me to that island. Like they they don't have any chance if I'm not there to like help fight. Uh, although he does try to reach for his gun and all that, he does try to do all these things. And the speculation might be that Skinner wants revenge because they revealed the, his weakness to them, uh, mm-hmm. the weakness of the, of the American vampire you know species. Uh, the actual main bulk of the issue, though, is Henry kind of getting to know the platoon. The sergeant, you know, the, the one in charge doesn't like him, um, but he's kind of talking about the other guys and basically finds out that all these guys like have no connections to the past and. Henry's kind of... He's never going to be fully committed because he's still got a wife that he, he's connected to. He still wants to get back home to someone. Whereas they're all, like, sort of... Uh, you know, because they, they keep calling him a ghost because he's still connected right. to the living world. The idea that he has this this connection. Um, and it turns out the reason why none of them have families is because all their families were killed by vampires and that's why they're all committed 110% to this cause. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're, like a, they're like a dirty dozen of vampire yeah, killers. Yeah, kind of. Uh, and when when the guy like sort of turns back and says, "Okay, so you know how how did you end up you know mixed up with vampires?" and Harry just goes, "I'm married to one," and the guy just goes, "What?" <laughs> it's, it's a good funny. It's like it's not a yeah. funny issue, right? Uh, it's probably the only <laughs> funny moment in the entire issue, but it is really funny. <laughs> it's a really good joke right. moment. Uh, eventually, though, Skinner comes stumbling out uh, of the of the jungle holding like a, a wound which you know i suspect might not be a uh, completely genuine uh just uh yeah you know, just an idea i mean there's some blood dripping from his hand but you know he's a vampire he can just cut himself he doesn't care right he, he, he can right. have some blood but they come across a village uh which looks deserted uh skinner's try to like you know explain that where he lost his platoon you know all this cover story mm-hmm. um and as they get into the village, there's some wonderful art here of, like, you know, the long vampire fingers, like, coming from the trees. It's very aliens, actually, because they're all hiding up in the trees. Uh, but these more monstrous vampires pop out, which is especially notable because they were saying before that the vampires in this region aren't shapeshifters, so they should all look human. They should all look human right. uh, and, you know, stale vampires. But these vampires are not. These vampires are completely deformed and monstrous. And the big cliffhanger is that this town, that this little village they're trying to go through, is crawling with them. So there's like a good half dozen that jump out in this last page. Yeah, man. I'm gonna have to break this out and reread this. It's been a while. But I remember <laughs> this. Is my favorite. It's my favorite period of of American Vampire is the World War II stuff. Yeah. Um, and then you partner that with the with the mini, uh, Survival of the Fittest. Yeah, yeah I think oh. I'll be. I'm just going to trade order, so I'll be reading that uh, yeah. for these Patreon slots after this arc is done. I think because that's that's yeah, where it comes. So good. So good. So, um, um, no, I, I mean, I, I always talk a lot about the art. Obviously, here, uh, because once they get to the island, it's all yellows and oranges in the background, and it's kind of mm-hmm. a mix of, you know, the the idea of the land of the rising sun, but also the idea of just you know, explosions and fire, and like the idea that there's a war going on in the distance. It really gives you this idea of like being in the war zone, and it, it contrasts nicely with the greens of the outfits of the of the, of the soldiers. But right. the the contrast though is that when you get to the all the stuff in the hotel room with uh, Pearl and Hobbs, is that they're all in shades of blue and there's a little bit of yellow coming from the window, but it's not much. You know, the the dawn light's mm-hmm. very you know they're, they're in shadows. It's all these very dark purples and blues and blacks that are covering most of the page. So there's this con. Every time it cuts between the two, 
Uh, and I think that's just something that maybe goes underrated in some comics is the idea of like having these distinct visuals. Whenever you cut from scene to scene, if you've got mm-hmm. two, let's say you get two plots going in an issue and you want to cut between them, having it be visually obvious the second you turn the page without a shadow of a doubt that you are back in plot B or back to plot A or whatever it is actually counts for a lot. If if I have to for a second even like process that I've switched scenes. Like mm-hmm. you failed a little, not much. It doesn't. I mean, the, the, the issue may be fantastic otherwise, but you maybe have failed a little in that sense. Yeah. But because the coloring is so different, and the settings are so different between these two scenes, uh, it's, just, it's it's kind of the same thing. We talk about characters being visually indistinct from each other, or just mm-hmm. dis- or being distinct from each other. Um, and it's one of the problems when you're not doing a superhero book, where they're not all wearing distinct costumes, is that people can look the same. Um, and that's actually one of the worries I had with the soldiers is that they're all wearing identical, you know, green outfits with the helmets that, yeah, it's actually hard to tell from a glance who is who. Like, I couldn't tell you what any of these soldiers looks like because they're all just similar looking. Like, there is one that has a beard. There's one who's black versus the rest who are all white. But, mm-hmm. like, I, I couldn't tell you for sure which one is which. And luckily, I don't think it really matters in the context of the story. I, I, you know, even though it, it does give you a bit of a roll call, it says who they all are. Right. But, but you're, it's basically... The Expendables. Yeah, it, like, it's about Henry and Skinner. Maybe yeah. this this the one call in the shots is a bit more notable, but otherwise they're there to be red shirts because it's all about Henry and Skinner. And mm-hmm. we'll get to the rest uh, later. But um, you know, uh, it is a good issue. Uh, a really good issue, in fact. Like I, I enjoyed the previous the previous issue setting all this up was good, but it was all set up, so there was a lot of kind of like stuff to build and exposition to get through. This issue, because it was more on the ground, the horror stuff was running, it was good character work, good horror stuff at the end, good cliffhanger, um, and the idea that... Because Hobbs is really overconfident when Pearl says, oh, no, like, they're screwed, because Skinner might have already killed them, and they're like, nah, they'll be fine, like, you know, like, Henry will recognise them, she's like, no, he doesn't know what it looks like. Uh, it's like, books... Re- or not books, sorry, it's, it's, Hobbs is reluctantly trying to like basically reluctantly accept that oh shit we may have a problem here and maybe i do have to get her to that island to help so you know um so i mean yeah even the final panel of her is looking out the window at the yellow light and because all the other scenes with the soldiers all these orange and the yellows in the background it actually feels like she's looking out over i mean she's literally looking out the window across the water but the coloring even gives you this sense that she's looking to where he is because the colouring matches where he is out the window so it, it's just simple little things like that that make it feel like it all ties together really well uh, but yeah solid 8.5 of an issue uh, I would say of American Vampire uh, mm-hmm. really good stuff uh, so that is that uh, the other Patreon book I've got is Animal Man uh, issue 4 Grant Morrison uh, in particular I've not written down the artist I'll tell you when I get to the credit <laughs> Uh, is what it is. Um, so yeah, so we had a big cliffhanger last issue with uh, Buana Beast had taken the diseased ape, the gorilla that he was uh, very attached to, who died in his arms. There's like, okay, so now he's going to be full unhinged because the the reason why he was here, the reason why he was who the person he was trying to save is dead. But we had this added element, and this was kind of really weird timing when I was talking about this last time uh, when Connor was here, is that. Uh, the, the, the ape had been tested on had like a really lethal and particularly spreadable dose of anthrax <laughs> and Boy. this could lead to like a disastrous outbreak that might kill the west coast <laughs> so um, so we got all this going uh, and we have uh, obviously Buddy 
uh, on his way trying to, to deal with this. But he goes to the library first and tries to like research like who he's fighting uh, mm-hmm. and figures out that he is Buana Beast and what to do when he gets to the zoo. Because the San Diego Zoo, this is all going down at. Um, and it becomes this very interesting fight, actually. I, I really enjoyed this issue. I think the the fight also becomes as Buddy's trying to like get various other uh, powers from the from the animals. And he goes to the reptiles mm-hmm. thinking, ah, oh, if I can, you know, disguise myself like, like a chameleon. And it has a really funny payoff because he, he, he uses that power and he sort of turns blue because he's against like a blue rock. I mean, uh, obviously rocks aren't actually blue, but in comic book art it was blue. So he turns kind right. of blue. Uh, unfortunately though, his costume doesn't change and he's like, shit, I didn't <laughs> think of that. <laughs> so he's bright uh, orange and blue costume still sticking out like a sore thumb. That's hilarious. Uh... But no, there's a lot of fun here. He uses the elephant strength at one point to punch uh, and, mm. and so on. Uh, but one of the big things that's happening, though, is that Buana Beast powers, which I wasn't very familiar with before this this arc, right? Mm-hmm. I'd never really read this this era of Animal Man or anything before. Um, so Buana Beast basically starts, because there was a, a, a couple of issues ago, he like, had a, like, a failed attempt at merging a bunch of monkeys. So there was this like almost the thing-esque, like, like, like you know, mass of monkeys yeah, that were all merged mass, together. a body horror. Yeah. Uh, yeah. he's he's more successfully doing it now. So we have like a like a, an ape that's been fused with a a tiger. Oh boy! Uh, or it's a gorilla specifically. So I think later on he calls it a tigerilla. <laughs> uh, so that's chasing Buddy down, and then a few pages later, there's like a I think it's like a a hawk and a wolf have been fused together. So it's like this flying wolf with a beak. It's just really <laughs> and wings. Almost like a griffin. Yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of Griffin-esque. Uh, so there's a lot of really fun, wacky ideas, but it all feels very, it all feels very, kind of, again, very body horror-esque, the way it's happening. And Buddy's, like, you know, having to retreat, he's having to try and find powers that he can use. Uh, and we do see a boil on Buana's hand at one point to indicate that, the you know, the ape did give him something. Like, you know, he has contracted the, the virus, the disease. Um, so there's a lot of back and forth. Um... With, with the punching, uh, buddy, it's effectively. I think Buana because Buana is such an animal. Like eventually, he's able to use Buana's telepathic telepathic animal power and like sort of like play it against them, and it becomes this telepathic kind of like fight against each other. And Buana actually starts vomiting and dies because of the disease. And Buddy is essentially able because he still has Buana's powers, and because he confused things, he essentially decides to try and like mess around with his white blood cells to fight the virus, and he actually saves Buana's life by messing with his blood cells, using Buana's own power. So, you know, typical hero fashion, he's able to do this, and, you know, he saves him. Um, And Buana just lies there kind of crying, saying that, you know, human beings think this world belongs to them, and just, you know, they're just abusing it and doing whatever they want and killing whatever they want. And no matter how much they do, there's no bottom. There's no bottom. It just keeps getting worse and worse. There's no bottom to all this. Um, And it's this really sad ending, and Buddy just kind of leaves him there and doesn't even like take him in he's just disgusted with the idea of what the scientists at star Wars were doing so he actually goes to the lab uh he well at first he uses his power he uses Buana's powers to separate the animals so the tiger and the gorilla are back to being themselves and so on Can, did, did i miss why he's fusing animals just because Buana? yeah he's, he's just he's making like animal monsters to fight buddy uh because gotcha. that, that's what he's because he made like a rat man out of a homeless man in the last couple of shows. Okay. Because because basically Buana 
he tries to stay in the shadows and use like mm. foot soldiers out of these animal right. mutations to like fight his gotcha. battles. So that, that that's been consistent with what he's been doing. Gotcha. Uh, so now that he's in a zoo, he's, he's like, oh, he's, he's, the possibilities are endless. He's got tons of animals to miss. Uh, I like it as, as a villain kind of like counterpart to what Buddy's powers are. It's a nice, interesting idea that he's literally yeah. fusing animals together to fight Buddy. It's a really interesting. Right. It's not the exact because you know sometimes we do this like oh the evil version of the, the hero. So you have Reverse Flash, you have Zod, mm-hmm. you have whatever. I like that it's kind of the opposite of Buddy, but it's like a d- different, weird version of it. You know, there's a it's right. a bit more wacky. Uh, but Buddy goes back to Star Labs and basically says he's disgusted for even trying to help the scientists, given what he was doing to the to the the ape. Um, and he's ashamed he never got involved. And the the scientist yells that he's a second rate hero. He regrets, you know, trying to hire him to like help him. He's not a real superhero. And Buddy punches him. He slugs him on the way out. He's like, ah, try and don't lose your kill, but he loses just because, you know what, that's going to help me sleep tonight. I knocked that bastard out. That's obviously not exactly what he says in the narration, but that's, that's right. the gist of it. He's happy. He, he feels relieved that he was able to knock the asshole out. Mm-hmm. Um, and the end of the story is really dark because Buana shows up to the Star Labs and he, th- he throws the dead ape down on the, on, the, on the desk that he was experimenting mm-hmm. on and he fuses the doctor with the ape so when the other the the, 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 the the scientists come in, like there's a couple of lab technicians come in, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh hey, we were supposed to like pick up this because uh, just before it ha- this happens, the doctor calls and says, hey, the ape's here, we've got the ape. So these technicians come in. The ape looks a bit different though because Buana has merged the scientist with the ape. So the end of the story is is that now this ape's going to continue to be experimented on, but it's actually the scientist who's awake in there experiencing it all. So it's this, you know, right. come up and this, you know, almost tales from the crypt esque ending of him having to experience all this brutal experimentation himself. So it's a very satisfying ending to this four issue arc. I mm-hmm. actually I loved the ending. I thought it was a really fun fun fight. Uh, I thought the actual sort of moral story at the end of like Buddy siding with the villain and being like, yeah, you know what, I'm done. <laughs> like this is this is bullshit. Uh, and the the scientist getting his comeuppance because he has been like, like an awful character the whole time. Uh, the side story uh, is kind of like probably peaked before with the, the, the how dark and dangerous it got. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Ellen does try to save the kittens. Now, the, the, the main cat is dead, unfortunately, because those mm-hmm. assholes in the, the forest. Um, he doesn't even want to talk about the fact that one of them tried to rape her. She just wants to try and save the kittens. Um, and Matt just reacted because he clearly didn't get that part of the story. No, nope. uh, no. Nope. But uh, basically tries to get the neighbor to help. It doesn't work for the most part, though. Most of the kittens still die, and they have to bury them by the end of the issue. But one kitten does survive. There is one sort of hopeful, like, you know, one kitten is it still there. When Buddy gets home, and she's holding this little kitten in a blanket, uh, it's like one sweet little moment uh, where there's sort of hope for the future. Um, I can't imagine, though, her like, being like, oh, by the way, Buddy, I've had a hell of a day. Uh, there was these <laughs> these assholes in the forest shooting guns, and one of them tried to assault me and luckily though his buddy was a bit more level-headed and shot him in the head um i mean level-headed is maybe not quite right but certainly was not cool with what he was doing um so no i really like this first arc i am very glad someone's making me read this i mean grant morrison for modern stuff is very hit and miss for me because sometimes it gets a bit too weird and i understand this gets weirder later on but i think Mm. i'm okay with it getting weirder when he makes me care about everything first Right, and I thought this was, it doesn't yeah. start there. Yeah, and well as a couple of you know meta jokes here or there, this was a very well told little story of this this Buana beast, uh, animal rights, uh, you know 
speaking out against experimentation and it was an interesting fight for buddy to go up against the darkness of the the, the b plot was kind of weird in some ways it was definitely compelling like i was definitely on the edge of my seat like with it but um but also i'll see where they, where they take that uh where, where he takes that going forward but um at, at least for now though um i really enjoyed this this first art and i, I thought the buana beast and his power set was a very interesting counterpoint to yeah to animal man and yeah like that that cliffhanger from the end of issue two where buddy gets his arm ripped off that was a great cliffhanger right him lying there without an arm was a wonderful cliffhanger <laughs> sure and matt the, <laughs> the solution to that is that he, he, he got the powers from like a worm or something in the earth that re- regenerates yeah yeah i mean he got he got to pull a starfish starfish can do that too yeah yeah um, uh but, but yeah. yeah he regrows an arm uh but it, 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 it was great though it, if I had these same powers, I would waste them all on just strength bullshit. Oh, for sure. Like, <laughs> like, no, nah, he uses them in some interesting ways, yeah. for sure. Uh, some really wacky, interesting uh, power sets he can have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, issue five for next month uh, is the one, it's the, it's the famous cover where it's like it's the drawing with the hand painting the, the image. So, I feel we're going to get really weird meta next issue, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, right. I really like issue four. I would give this probably a nine out of ten. I think this was a really great issue. Ooh, so, um, uh, full thumbs up. Animal Man by Grant Morrison is really good so far. Uh, so good stuff. Uh, but yeah, that'll bring us part of the show. Uh, we pick our favorite moments of the week: favorite panel slash moment, favorite art, favorite cover, and typically t- our top five. But I guess this week it'll just be ranker three books. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, we'll start with panel slash moment, Matt. If you would like to, uh, so. It, it's def- oh, so the panel slash moment is gonna be from Endless Winter, mm-hmm. and it's it's Viking Swamp Thing fighting France King Kaiju style. Sure, like yeah, it's so wonderful. Yeah, yeah, uh, hard to uh, hard to fault that. Um, what's mine? It's <laughs> a good question. Um, I mean, I'm tempted to go with the end of the Lois story with Lois's choice not to uh, yell out. I think that was quite good. Um, penguin being the giant bird kind of sticks out a little bit. That's you know that's real good. Um, um, some of the stuff in the Superman story too was was close. Yeah, actually, yeah. Joe, you know I'm going to pick that. I'm going to go with Endless Winter as well, though. I think overall, and I think I'm going to go with Black Adam just yelling that he's going to get blood when he's being locked up again because I think it really set a mood for the stories going forward. So I, th- I think that's going to stick with me. Uh, mm-hmm. so I'll go with that. All right, cover of the week, Matt. What you got? Um, I'm just gonna go with the regular endless winter. Uh, believe it's um, shoot, I have to unload it. Yeah, for the third time this month, I'm going to cop out and just say the Gary Frank cover to uh, 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 the, the 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 metal one, last fifty two. Uh, mm. because it's wonderful. It's got the Shazam family yeah. in the background, Batman's there in the middle. You got Animal Man in the foreground. Uh, it's lovely. Uh, although to be fair, the Batman annual cover is quite nice too. The Derek Chew cover. Yeah. So the endless winner is is Janin on the. Cool. Air. I knew it. I knew it was that. But uh, yeah, it's a good one. All right. So uh, best art of the week. Oh, see, where do I, I can tell you what it's not? <laughs> and yeah, all right, I, I think all right, endless winner right. is just gonna have a, a clean sweep here because I do like Gio Domenico. So yeah, um, and, and we don't we don't single out art. From the other ones, no, obviously, Tier's art was was pretty good. The art in the Penguin story, I enjoyed. That, um, that's always a conundrum with the anthology stuff, though. Yeah. Uh, 
Nah, the, I'm going to do what Matt hates here and pick Stolko's art, uh, Batman oh, Isle, for me. So, and I think part of that is because it all was one artist. It wasn't like the multiple artists like the other yeah. stories. So, um, I'm I'm going with that, and obviously it helps that I like the art a lot. But <laughs> um, so that's that. All right, rank the three books then, Matt. Uh, so it's gonna be uh, number one in this winter. Number two, um, is Batman Annual? What are you, Batman Annual? A seven, yeah. Yeah, seven, yeah. And then three is is the last 52. Yeah, it's actually the exact same for me. It's uh, Endless yeah. Winter, number one, uh, Batman Annual, number two, and then Last 52, number three. Although, I mean, I think they'll, even Last 52, which is a bit more mixed, that have a lot of merits in it, though. I'm still glad. Uh, I'm still glad for it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, so uh, there you go. Uh, I will tell you what's coming out next week. And next week's pretty exciting because next week, not only is there more books, but it is the start of Future State. So there's going to be a lot of juicy things to talk about next week. Uh, a lot to dig into. But of course, first of all, there is Dark Knight's Death Metal number seven, the final issue of Metal. Uh, so that'll be exciting to see how that all wraps up. A really cool cover uh, as well, which is uh, two Wonder Women, like the, the current Wonder Woman and then the original sort of... The classic. Yeah, the, the World War... Two era or whatever two. Wonder or Wonder Woman, yeah. yeah. So someone just watched Wonder Woman again and uh, getting confused. It's I know World War One. I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, we also have Strange Adventures issue eight, so that's also cool for standalone. Mm-hmm. You know, just because it's good. Uh, but then, of course, we get into the Future State stuff. We have Future State, the next Batman issue one. We have Future State Wonder Woman issue one. We have Hellblazer Rise and Fall issue three. Obviously, that's separate from all this. Uh, we have Future State Superman of Metropolis issue one. Future State Harley Quinn issue one. Future State Swamp Thing issue 1, Future State The Flash issue 1, and then we have that big one shot, which is really exciting, which is uh, Generation Shattered issue 1, uh, which feels like it's uh, doing some big stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, Honestly, the only one out, the, out of all that batch that I'm openly kind of not excited for is probably the Harley Quinn uh, issue. That said, I don't... This what I, I want to read Stephanie Phillips, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't want to get attached and then have to deal with Rosmo come march so i don't know what i want to do um i mean it'll probably make it easier with having metal the the new batman mm-hmm. and the next batman and shattered all being massive i don't know how many of the other ones would have fit in um outside of strange adventures and stuff too so we'll we'll see how it goes my, my plan is to read all of them but uh-huh. If I do drop one and don't read one, it'll be this one. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's would be the first one to go if I do have to cut something. But my plan yes. is to at least try them all. So yeah, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, yeah, big, big week. Uh, a lot of interesting books in there. A lot of interesting teases for future directions of characters. In some cases, um, you know, because we're getting Yara Flores, you know, first story uh, of all this stuff next mm-hmm. week. Uh, obviously, the next Batman has some juicy stuff in there. So, a lot, a lot of things to look at uh, next week and see where we're going. And yeah, so mm-hmm. Future State stars next week. Uh, join us for that. Uh, hopefully, Connor's back for that as well. So, we'll all be able to chime in on it. Uh, Connor can come in and probably tell us how much he loves Wonder Woman 84 and how much he hates Winter and this Winter or something. I don't know if he does, but I'm just assuming I don't know. he does because he's, he's the worst. He's got a lot of books to get caught up on. So, who knows? Where he's gonna be? Has he not been staying up? Is he? Does he? Let, I don't think so. Because doesn't he read them on his PC? I mean, he's got to do everything as difficult as possible. I mean, he did, but I mean, he does also have a tablet that he does read on. It's not like he. Oh, I was under the assumption that he wasn't reading. He, he also. I, I know he's been getting a lot of physical books yes. in too. 
so that's what what made me think um so so yeah yeah we'll we'll see where i, I don't know i mean if he hasn't and it's on him because maybe he'll come back and say he didn't read it unless he just yeah. decided to skip it and i was like right which is a shame because i thought it was a lot of fun but yeah he's Connor, or maybe he'll so. just wait for the trade to come out right like but, yeah but he's he's the worst so he's whatever he did he probably made the worst possible choice that's that's if there's one thing i can True. be sure of in life is that Connor made a bad choice <laughs> uh, like ordering an xbox <laughs> that never and came. I, don't, I don't want anybody to come after me i i don't care about consoles it's just a joke on connor's expense because because it never, it never arrived came. yeah <laughs> oh yeah it cracks me up too uh <laughs> so there you go uh we'll take this time to thank our patreon producers uh for the month of december so we're actually i've been recording this on january 1st but obviously this is still the list from december uh i don't think it's changing admittedly but uh just in case there is a last minute change but uh so thank you to tyler hess cindy palaceus david short board now al treisman christopher moy brett williams and david brown they are patreon producers at the time of recording so thank you very much they are all $20 or more at patreon.com slash TV. but you can, of course, support us for as little as $1 per month uh, and help keep all the content coming. Uh, help us in times uh, like January, February, where there's so many big, expensive books coming out. <laughs> but you can, uh, of course, uh, get early access to the podcast, for example, at the $5 tier. Uh, it's one of the more popular uh, things to go for because people like getting a day early. So... Uh, you know, head over and have a look and see if you want to help support all the shows and all the content we do, as well as, of course, this show in particular. Uh, you can, of course, support us for free, though, by simply hitting the like button uh, on YouTube, That that you know, the heart or the thumbs yeah. up, whatever it is these days. Um, and you can also, of course, uh, rate us on iTunes, give us five stars and a review or whatever you get your podcast from. Uh, anything like that, share us on Twitter. You can also find us on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast. All those things do help spread the show and help us grow and help us basically take over the world Lex Luthor style or um, evil Lois style <laughs> that upset you that this week didn't it Matt <laughs> it did it did I just I did not like it uh, I don't know so, so many other things to go with I as soon as I saw it too I was like when the the darkest night brought it up I was like oh, this guy this guy is the darkest night specifically trolling me oh well there you go. So uh, that's all the things you can do to help support the show. So thank you very much once again uh, for joining us. This has been episode 234, I believe. Mm-hmm. I, I forgot what the number was at the start, but I think it was 234. Uh, uh, of You're co- talking with numbers. Uh, comics for the multiverse. Uh, so, yes. Uh, so I think I said everything, didn't I? Yeah, I think, I think I did all the plugging. Yes. Uh, otherwise, you know, just check out uh, the other content from Alpha's TV. Uh, obviously, there was a Wonder Woman 1984 review that uh, myself and Matt did along with Tim, which was on this podcast feed if you listen to the audio uh, podcast feed. Uh, but you can find other movie reviews like that on the Mailfuss TV YouTube channel. And there's a Screams After Midnight horror podcast that I do with Tim, if you like. So if you like Tim, uh, you'll get more of Tim on that. Um, I also do a sci-fi movie podcast called The Ace, The Atomic Cinema Experiment. I do that with Tara. So you can check out those. If you're interested in movies uh, or TV reviews, go and check out more content. Uh, but that is us so thank you once again for watching or listening hopefully Connor is back with us again next week although I'll never uh, say anything positive while he's actually here uh, I will be miserable uh, to his face of course yeah. because what else would I do yeah so thank you once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watch, keep reading DC Comics that's a slip it's a Freudian slip keep reading DC Comics we'll see you next time just don't get lost in the speed force 
I got, I got nothing after that one. That was a different <laughs> delivery. I forgot what I normally say, and then I kind of said it weird, all right? Don't get lost in the Speed Force. <laughs> Don't get lost in the Speed Force.